This episode of Hundy Camp Down Under is brought to you by Ridgeline. Ridgeline have just released their new performance range, featuring brand new styles and high performance fabrics for winter 2020. One of the highlights is the new Ascent Jacket for men and women. The new Ascent Soft Shell Jacket is designed for use as a performance layering piece and has been rigorously tested in the South Island of New Zealand. The new Ridgeline performance range features a new Realtree Escape camouflage print. It fits into the environment you hunt in and the colours appear to adapt to the terrain. All the new gear is available in Australia and New Zealand and for your local stockist, check out the website www.ridgelineclothing.com.au This episode is proudly brought to you by Zeiss Optics. The legendary Zeiss binoculars are founded on exceptional optical performance, outstanding ergonomics and robust construction. Zeiss innovations have constantly expanded the limits of what's technically possible. Generations of hunters and shooters swear by their Zeiss binoculars, being heirloom quality products that are passed down from generation to generation, together with the stories that came with them. Experience the Zeiss Victory SF, the most versatile premium binoculars in the company's 165-year history. Find your local stockist at www.osaustralia.com.au. With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. On you to a rattle and um, or upwind, which was good. It was both ways. And... Um, and he stayed back and videoed it, and this big fuck just walked straight in on a oh. string, and I shot him, shot him at I don't know ten or fifteen yards or something. Just fucking still walk, still walking, and, and stopped and looked at a bird up, a bird chirped in a tree, and he stopped and looked up in the tree or looked up the hill or something like that. And I was right there and just went boom. Oh, the and only the, time that they not on your eye. And the and the arrow, I, when he ran away, I thought, oh, he's running funny, because I didn't see where the arrow hit yeah. when they're that close, and they. They just explode, and um, I thought he's running funny, and yeah, and he went down the gully and and looked at Brad, and Brad was just smiling at me, and I was like, oh, I thought I seen him fall over, but I don't know. And we had a yarn, and when I went down there, the arrow was sticking out the back of his back leg. Oh shit! Drove like it went him. right right through and come out his back leg. How far was he? So, Fifteen yards. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't. I, he was just he was so close. Yeah. <laughs> Just hold, the, just hold the pin somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just hold the pin low, pin, the pin low on the front of that chest because you yeah. know he's going to drop. Oh. Even at that distance, he's going to drop. So yeah, I, I probably would have put the pin. I reckon just an instinct to put it right would have put it right near the bottom of his brisket. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, that was just. I must have shot him. I think it. Yeah, I think it went in just here somewhere, like near his, underneath his collarbone, and, and went right through the middle of him. Just That's the second out. one. I shot one up there. I think the trip before exactly the same. He walked straight into me, and by the time he realised I was even there, I was on his pad, and I thought this is going to be really bad. He is going to walk along here and bust me. I was I was sort of kneeling behind a log, and and at, and about thirty yards, I was getting ready to draw, and he walked off the track and started walking down the edge of the, the this steep bank, and I thought, oh, I'm going to lose him. He's going to walk away, but you know I was there. We didn't call him or anything. He was just coming this way. And then, so I stood up, and he was walking through some thick stuff, 
And then he turned and walked towards me, and I thought, oh, Jesus. And it was about 20 yards in, so I drew and waited. And when he walked out of the thick stuff, I was like, <laughs> from here to the TV. <laughs> He's like, shit. He was looking straight down the pin, and he went. And you could see the look in his eyes. It was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm in trouble <laughs> here. <laughs> and, I shot, and I shot him front on the same, yeah. so close, and he just disappeared into the over the bank. And I thought, and I looked back, um, young um, – Doomstus was um, video on it, and I looked back at him and went like that, and he went, didn't see where he went. I'm like, oh, and I didn't even see where I hit him because yeah. everything, you know, it just explodes. And um, and I looked over the bank, the heart sunk, and I thought, oh, I'm just gonna, I'll just have a quick look before I go back and see if I can find my arrow or find something. And I walked five yards and looked like that, and I could see an antler sticking up. He wouldn't have went thirty yards. Just snorted him, stone dead, and same yeah. was sticking right out of his back leg. I wonder why they get um, they kind of go like into a bit of a blase kind of like just watching Smitty's DVDs and shit. You seem to catch them in this blase kind of like they sort of just I don't know they kind of zone out for a second. Yeah, oh, they it's weird when they when they when they're wandering like if they're away from um, you know like because well I'll I'll give you an example. I was up there in February for a week and there would have been I think we counted 70 does in a in a mob and lost count and lost count and there was a couple of stags but there was a real big fellow there and, and I said to me mate you got no hope like they were out in the open I said well just watch them for a minute and just see what happens because this stag was just cruising through he wasn't he wasn't on a hot doe yep. but he was with the mob and he, he was there for a while and then he, he went right through them and then he walked off across this open paddock I said to me mate we got to watch him, and we couldn't. We couldn't sort of wait. We had to wait till the does left, and so we get onto this rise, and he's gone. But he couldn't have went, like he couldn't have went anywhere that far that we yeah. couldn't see him. And anyway, we're standing there, and there was a tree laying down, like a bushy, like it was a tree that had fallen over, it was still alive. And this tree was laying there about a hundred meters away. And me mate, and I'm looking wide. My mate goes, "Oh, I found him," and I went, where? And he goes, "He's laying under that tree." And it was windy, as windy as fuck. And I was like, "Oh, mate, like you're gonna, you're gonna like, you're smash insane. him." And he goes, "No, no, no, it's your shot." And I went, "Oh, righto." And I shit you not, I was ten meters off him. He was still laying there, and I yep. said to me, "Mate, I give him the, I give him the rattle signal." So he rattled, tried everything. Yeah, he wouldn't stand up, and the grass was four foot high. All you could see was his head, top of his head, and his antlers. Yeah. And I was, I was at full draw a couple of times because I thought he was going to stand anyway. I let down, knelt, got back down, crawled back and said, you go in. So we did all this shit. We went backwards <laughs> and forwards and I ended up getting behind me, mate, and filming him. This stag, his, his antlers were going and I, I mooed like a cow. I rattled. I tried everything. My mate was standing like 15 yards off and we could not get this thing to stand up. <laughs> and in the end, in the end, he kept going, getting closer and closer and he and the wind was sort of almost, yeah, cut and tight. it was good. Good, 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 good. And then he got around. He reckons he knew which way he was angled because you couldn't see which way he was bedded. Yeah. He, and he got around to a certain thing and the wind brushed him and that stag didn't even stand. He just blew out of there. Uh, and we never got a shot at him. We were both we were both like, I reckon I was 10 or 12 off him and he was 15 and neither of us got a shot. Shit. I've, uh, <laughs> I've only chased him once. I chased him, oh shit, like 2010. And I remember that same thing, man. You just... They just did spasmodic shit. They're just like, yeah. think, oh, yeah, that fellow's they just going to come cruising here. And next minute, he just does like a 
180 yep. and you're like yeah they'll be walking the across f- they'll walk across a flat on a track and they'll be dead set coming straight at you for forever they'll come 500 yards and then all of a sudden they'll just go oh I might go that way <laughs> and you go <laughs> what happened <laughs> and some some of them will lay down like a some deer lay down and they'll only lay down you know you can give them 20 minutes to half an hour and they always usually get up and switch around and you think oh he'll do that so you'll be 20 meters off him i remember one day brad was on a on a pretty big fella and he was 20 meters off him and he sat there he sat and i sat behind like i was probably 30 40 meters behind him with the camera on him for i think we might have timed it something like two hours wow. and this stag never stood up and we got absolutely eaten by mosquitoes <laughs> and i was just I was besides myself by the end. I was thinking, I'm going to blow this stag out soon if he doesn't go. I've got, I I've got just, to get out of here. I had to turn the camera off because I was running out of batteries and turn it off and I'd just have it sitting there and every time that stag would shake his head, I'd think he's going to get up. So yeah, I'd hit, hit the, the play button, button <laughs> hit the button again. And, and in the end, and in the end, Brad reckons he never felt the wind change or nothing. That stag just jumped up, looked around like that, looked all around and trotted off. And we're like, what happened? Just like a six no steps, just fuck knows. Oh. Either that or he smelt something or heard something he didn't like, so he just thought, oh. Or he might have been asleep and woke up and thought, Fuck, what oh, I'm doing? out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's getting hot. And yeah. just, but didn't, didn't stand long enough. Because if they stand up a little bit spooked. They're, and gone. they're kind of gone. They're, well, they're, they're, they're so switched on. You can have a shot, but yeah. unless you aim under him, you're not going to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Some of that slow motion shit, man. It's unbelievable how much they move. Oh. Chittle are the worst. Like red, everything moves, but yep. Chittle are the—they're the worst I've ever seen. Anyway, I, mm. I just—you just shake your head sometimes, and if you don't have a camera on what happens, you know, you think, you, oh, you just think, oh, that was a shit shot. How did I clean miss him? <laughs> yeah. You know, you think, oh, I had the pin right, in the, right on his heart, and he just—I don't know what happened. And then you look at it through the replay, and you think, well, I should have hit him right in the heart. Yeah, but I never That's, hit, him, but I never hit him anywhere. Didn't even touch him. And it's scary how I'm... low you. It's scary how low you can aim, eh? Like yeah, it doesn't feel right. Well, I shot the last one there, hardly moved. Not the last one, the the one on that trip where I shot the real big fella. The first one I shot, he hardly moved, and I dead set shot him right through the heart. Yeah. But he still dropped the fractions. So if he hadn't moved at all, yeah, bottom off. I probably, I probably might have brisketed him. Yeah, right. So... That's it. That's about <sighs> where I usually aim. <laughs> you'll 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 work it out. Like some guys go up there. Brad goes, look, if it's windy, like if you if you go hunting them when it's really windy, you'll smash them. Yeah, don't they don't hear they don't hear the shot or they fuck off, Charlie. They don't hear the shot or the or the arrow, and they're real like because they, especially in the winter time, they bed, they'll go and bed out in the open, like in the long grass. Yeah, and you can see the you see the antler sticking up, so you just crawl in on the, against the wind and wait for them to stand up. Fuck yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. I. There's a lot more around. There's a lot more hard in in summer, but mm. in winter time, I reckon it's a lot better hunting. Yeah. Man, you can hunt all day. Yeah, it's more it doesn't comfortable get, too. Oh, like the mosquito, the heat up there in the summer, and the mosquitoes. Like one of Brad, I don't know if you know, um, Red Daryl Fullock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he won't. He, no, nah, he won't go back there in the summer. I said to him about going up there in February, and he said, "No, nah. yeah, no, nah. <laughs> you can have that." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't mind it. You just hunt. And if you get a bit of breeze, it's all right because it keeps you cool. But yeah. it's just it's just the mozzies eat you, and it's so bad. hot. Yeah, yeah. Especially if that and, rain and, up there. And, 
and the deer and the deer are so um stacked up too you know instead of having a stag having 10 they've got anywhere between 50 and 100 you know and there's there's five big shooter stags in them but you can't get near anything yeah unless you unless you can rattle them away or something then they do come away i rattled two away from a mob of 30 does there last time i was there and i didn't think they'd come i just said to me mate i'll just get over there 10 meters and we'll just rattle them because it was nearly dark and i said i don't think they're going to come and um and i'll give a little rattle and they both looked and walk through their does and I give another little bit of a tickle and a little sort of a half doe call and and they both just trotted over. All right, guys, you've uh, you've been listening to us for a little bit. You've got the voice of Harry Watson, and I've got the pleasure of looking at his shining bald head in the in the screen. So. Oh, put a cap on, mate. No, you're right. It's I'm, I'm admiring <laughs> it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm, actually admi- get- I'm actually admiring all the heads in the back background of it. But oh, what's up there? Uh, oh, oh I'm see you before. Yeah, I'll show you me caribou I shot a couple of years ago. I saw the film of that. Hey, oh, geez, they look good in a mount. He's a big boo. Oh, yeah, he's a big boy. That was a that was a story in itself. That one, I tell you. Oh, well, Smithy's was more than mine. Like uh, I shot, I shot him, and then Brad was on, and and we and he found a pretty good. Well, we thought it was a pretty good bull. He was a pretty good bull, and um. Anyway, we got did a bit of a stalk and you, and with the caribou because they're always moving. You sort of and there was some good light scrub where we were in the tundra, so we sort of did a stalk and a, and cut them off and and um, anyway, Smithy smashed his bull, I think at about oh, twenty yards or something, and we were there looking at him, sort of admiring him and taking photos and and we look across the flat and I said, look here coming, and there was oh, half a dozen bulls coming and. And I'm looking at them thinking, man, are they as big as they look? Like the heads on them. And, and we kept looking. And because and, and, I had a, a caribou tag, a moose tag, and a grizzly tag. Mm-hmm. So you can swap either or for yeah, whatever so you, you can want. Shoot and under, can't you? So grizzly yeah, tags are top yeah, and, and you every, can shoot, yeah. Everything was more than a caribou anyway. So I could have shot another caribou. And Brad's like, oh, let's see if we can get on them. So we. We, we thought we knew where they were going. There's a bit of a there was a bit of a run of scrub there, so we got in that scrub and they just walked straight into us. The, the video footage is on some of Brad's things where I'm standing 20 yards off the biggest caribou you'd probably ever shoot with a bow, and there was five of them that were bigger than the one I shot, which the one I shot's a cracker, and I've got I'm I'm here, and they're all feeding towards us, and once they got inside 30, we're all looking at them and. And the guide's behind – Brad's behind me with the camera over my shoulder and and the guide's behind him and I'm going, are they – they're way bigger than the one I've already shot, aren't they? And and the guide's going, yeah, way bigger. And <laughs> I'm going, am I likely to shoot a grizzly? And they're, and Brad's going, oh, who would know? And I'm like – because we had a gut pile at that stage or we would add two gut piles to shoot them off. And – and I'm looking at these caribou, and I'm thinking, man, that they they were monster caribou, a whole lot of them, but there was two in particular. And anyway, one of the two was 20 yards broadside feeding in this scrub, and I could have oh. smashed him. And I and I think I can't remember. I'm not sure if I even. I don't think I got the full draw, but I had the tension on the string, and Brad's right behind me with the camera going, grizzly bear, grizzly bear. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, he's going, are you going to? Throw your, ta- your grizzly bear tag at him, and I'm like, oh, mate, yeah, but we oh, want to shoot a grizzly. You're killing he's going, me. We got, 
<laughs> yeah, he's going, we want to shoot a grizzly. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, righto. So we, and we're standing there and this, this big caribou just sort of looked, looked around and seen the three, like we were one behind the other. So he, he's just seen these things that look like human, I suppose. And he's got a bit wary and he started to wander off and all these mates wandered off with him. And when they got to about 40 yards, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I could, I could probably still smash that little big fella. <laughs> and then anyway, they drifted off and we walk them back to, and we're talking about Brad's caribou and that. I'm thinking all the time. I'm thinking I'm, I'm not. I'm never going to see a grizzly, and I didn't. What, what am I done? What am I done? So yeah. you didn't see one. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> seen plenty of salt mines, seen tracks, and and they wrecked our camp or our food camp one day. A, a grizzly wrecked it. And yeah. That sort of put you a bit on edge, but um, no, I never actually seen one. And then we went. We had we went had two camps. We went to the next camp, and the dog friggin' one night. So we're in these little oh, two man tents sort of things in the middle of the pine forest and the dog we had a dog with us and he used to alert us to anything that was going on yeah. and the dog's gone off his nuts this night and he was just running around barking and chasing something and of course the guy the, there was two guides and i think one of them had a, a four five eight winchester and the other one had a three seven five h and h and then they had no 44 magnum pistols and all this shit and they were just yes. and i'm like what's going on like their, their tent's just over there and they're like oh it's a bear but just stay in your tent. And I'm like, yeah, don't worry, I ain't getting out. I, I, I sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going I'm anywhere. Sleeping. Well, we had a we had a forty. What was it a forty four Magnum or something like that pistol as well? We weren't allowed to go for a piss without it. Yep. Like you couldn't. I, I remember after a couple of days there, I got out of the tent one morning. You know, you just get up. You're not used to it. And think, oh, I just walk over there five meters for a piss. And I was walking back to the tent after having a piss, and and Tom. One of the guides had just got out of his tent. They were probably 30, 40 yards away. And he said, oi. And I said, what? And he said, where's your gun? And I said, oh, it's in the tent. And he just looked at me and shook his head. And he said, mate, he said, if, it, it might not kill a grizzly, but if, if I hear a shot, I'll be out of my tent quicker than if I hear you screaming. Yeah. He said, you have no idea how bad like they are. Because died, suppose, the thing is, we? where we were was they never see humans. Yeah. So your food. Yep. And he said, if that, that gri a grizzly might walk past here one day, and if he's not hungry, he'll just walk past and look at you, and he'll just keep walking. And he said, the next day, if he hasn't had a feed, he'll walk past, he'll look at you, and he'll be on you before you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, because he's been he's been um he's been attacked twelve times by because he's really? a this guy's a he does spring bear hunts. Yeah. Okay. So that's grizzlies on the salmon rivers and, and then they do moose and caribou and, and then, but both the guides, Charlie Jago, which he's in that, um, uh, the last Alaskans, yep. this yep. TV series. Yep. So he's in that, he's one of the stars in that. And he's, he lives in the, in the Arctic wilderness where we were. And he, um, like he, he could survive anywhere that prick. Like he, he's unreal what they can do. So they're trappers as well. So they've got their dog sleds and oh, and right. they in the, in the winter time they've got huts up in the mountains where they trap and he, they'll do thirty miles of traps a day. Oh, you know God. they trap wolves, um, beavers. Pff, I don't know everything. Um, uh, there's minks there, stoats, all sorts. Like all, all these things they trap. Like he, I asked him about getting me a wolf skin. I said, how do you go if you? trap a wolf and of course it's freezing cold he said oh i just tie a rope on it tie it around my waist if i'm walking if i haven't got my sled or they they'll walk a sled behind them yeah so i just chuck it on the sled 
and because I got snowshoes, and he said, "No, I'll just walk it all the way back to the hut." And then he said, "It takes about three days to thaw out in the hut, and I'll skin it." So he's wow. got a wolf. he's got a dead wolf because they die in the traps because they they just freeze to death. Yeah, and and um, so yeah, he just leaves it on the floor of the hut for three days to thaw out, and then he skins it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "What's the missus think of that?" <laughs> oh, he's like, shit. Oh, she, she, she's right. <laughs> she gets used to it. <laughs> oh, no, just, I don't think they just, I, just I, another I, wolf. I don't think he takes his missus because I said to him, I said, Oh, I'd love to come over and just spend a couple of weeks with you out there oh. when you're doing it. And he said, Nah, you wouldn't you wouldn't survive. Yeah, wouldn't. I'm like, What do you mean? And he goes, Well, there's hardly any uh, no, it must be that time of the year it's dark most of the time. So yeah. he said, Your whole day is survival. You get up in the morning, you have to have wood, you have to start your fire. So you start your fire. Then you have to have food in your body because your body's using so much energy to keep warm okay. that you have to eat straight away. And then your next move is to get more wood or get more food for the next meal. He said, that's all you do all day. And he said, and then if you go out checking traps, you'll do 30 yeah. miles. You're eating as much as you can the whole time. They have dry meat. Yep. You know, it's, it's freezing cold, minus 30s and all that sort of stuff. So they, if he shoots a moose or something like that, it's hanging in the tree. And then he'll just cut bits off it. And hang it and dry it, or you'll have it as steaks, or they just and they eat anything they eat. When we when he was there, he trapped a musk a muskrat or something for yep, us. Yep, we seen him swimming yep. around. He said, "I'll show you how to trap one of them." So he grabbed a trap and took the trap over. And next day we went over and checked it, and he was a muskrat That's <laughs> in the awesome. trap. Yeah, and we 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 ate that. He skinned that and gutted yep. gutted it out and skinned it, and we ate that. And he so, does he does something with the skin, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they sell all the yep. skins like. While we were sitting on the edge of the lake, he'd he'd be we'd be using the knockies and there'd be, uh, you know, they were bobcats and all sorts of animals. Like this is this is just the Arctic wilderness is three hundred miles. We flew in um, north of Fairbanks. Yep. yep. And it's like, Fuck you. Think, I, that is in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and you just fly across all these lakes, and there's no roads. There's no, no. roads for. I think I think there might be. The last road is about 200 miles from where we camped, and Shit. there's only 30 people allowed to live in this area, and it's as big as Australia or something. So, because if you don't, if you if you're not born in there, you once they made it a wilderness, the people that were born in there, their families, you can you can live there. So if Charlie was to marry someone or something, he can still live there, and their kids, and they can yep. live there, but nobody can. Like I can't go over there and say, oh, I wouldn't mind flying up there and living there on that lake. Because it's a wilderness, you can't. Yeah, you can't move in there. It's only people who have been born there. And his his parents get this. So his parents lived in, I think, was a big. I think it was New York, and they decided, oh, we're done with living in the city. We were we're going to move to the Arctic wilderness. Well, it wasn't a wilderness then, but we're moving up to the Yukon. So they move up there. They go up this river. I can't remember how many hours he said. It's like. 15 hours up this river was the oh, – I can't remember the name of the river it was. But anyway, and, and ends up – they pull up on the bank and think this is a nice spot. They dig a hole in the side of the hill and build a house in the hole. So his house is actually a, like a cave, but it's all built in. Holy shit. Like dirt floor. Apparently, that's the warmest way to do it. It's yep. like a – I suppose it's like, suppose it's like an igloo, but you're using the dirt as yep. insulation. Yep, and him sense. and his, so it was him and his wife, and they had two kids. 
Charlie and his sister and his sisters now, she lives in Fairbanks and she's got about, she does all those sled racing and all that oh, sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're, they're real bush people. Like he would, like we skimp, we skimped that caribou and he pretty much chucked it on his back and he's, he was about same size as me, six foot and skinnier and strong as an ox yeah. and could do anything. Like if you said, oh, I think one day there they said, oh, it's supposed to snow in the next couple of days. We're going to build up a bit of a shelter. So I just went and cut down trees and tied her up. And when, we, when me and Brad got back from hunting, it was like, oh, here's a house. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've knocked her all up and they could cook it. Like they just, they get used to, well, because he's lived there all his life. Mm. Anything that they catch or can catch or can kill, they eat. Yep. And they learn how to catch it, you know, without a gun. Yeah. A lot of times. Oh, man, that's insane. It's hard to imagine. Like, you look. So, obviously, we were just talking about it before we bloody recorded. Um, like, living in our houses kind of shit. Oh. And you think, like, they, they literally do everything off their own back. Like, not. There's not a helping hand anywhere. Like, as you said, like, it's hardly. Some of it's not with even out a gun. Well, and, well, when we were there, they kept saying, oh, you need to shoot them. Like, so we shot the caribou, and then it was then it started. Moose season started, so we were fo- chasing, trying to get a moose, and they kept sort of edging me, saying, "Oh, you need to get a moose." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know, there's plenty of time. We're not in a hurry." Yeah, but if it snows, and we're like, "What's the big deal?" Because we don't understand the whole yep. the time you know, frame thing. Yeah, it's like a we, get, we still drive down the road. If we get snow, we still drive down the road to to IGA. Yeah, it snowed. And we're sitting there one day and they said, no, if it snows and it snows enough, then the lake ice is over and we can't get picked up. We're stuck here. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, yeah, but the plane can still come and get us. No, the plane can't land till the ice is thick enough for then they put sleds on the plane and they can skid and then they can pick us up. We can walk on the ice to get in it. But if the ice is not thick enough, they can't land the plane or the plane sinks in the ice, obviously. And we're like, oh, so what do we do? And they said, well, we're just about out of porridge and we're just about out of tea and coffee and we're just about out of everything else. Oh. So we'll, um, you'll be eating whatever you shoot. And I was like, oh, okay. And Charlie's, Charlie, he's, he's the young guy. And he said, I won't be staying though. And I said, well, how are you going? Getting anywhere? And he said, oh, it's 100 miles straight through that way to one of my cabins. And if I get there, I can get a a plane can come and pick me up. And I said, yeah, but it's 100 miles. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll walk out. He said, once there's enough snow on the ground, because where we were, you'd, this, this, the ground, the tundra, is, it looks flat, but every step is a different level. Yeah. Like you're either down in ice or you're up on, on a knob or, and all this. And he said, I just, I'll shoot a caribou, make a set of snowshoes. And he said, I'll just walk out. He said, I'll probably run most of the way, the 100 miles. He said, but I'll, I'll get out. And we were looking at him, me and Brad just looked at him, and we're like, I actually believed him. Like, yeah. he, that's, that's what he would that do. That was no bullshit. That was like... He's, he was, he's been doing it since he was friggin' born. Yep. Oh, just man. bend some sticks around, make a set of snowshoes, strap that on my feet, and away I go. That's hard to imagine, <laughs> it. Fuck, we're soft. I, yeah, oh, yeah oh. I just said, nah. I said, nah, I'll just sit here and eat caribou and moose. <laughs> <laughs> And drink hot water. Yeah, I'm going nowhere. Yeah, no. Hundred miles. Well, he, he even said he said, "No, you blokes won't make it out." You had, <laughs> but you shot him. And the other bloke, you, you end up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. We that spot there. It was it was it was tough because we 
we were supposed to raft up the river or sort of it's a shallow this river oh it's a porcupine river or somewhere i think it was and we're supposed to raft up it and then so then we could hunt back the wind's always in one direction there yep and the river was flooding the whole time we were there so we couldn't we could only get across the river okay so so we get across and then we try and get up to where we wanted to start hunting but we're with the wind all the time yeah gotcha so we seen we seen some massive moose like but every time we'd see them if you had a rifle you could have shot different story like, Oh, biggest moose you've ever seen. But, you know, with the bow, like we'd have them at 60 yards and we had them at 80 yards and then they'd – because the wind had, was puff, would puff that way or something and they'd just stop and they'd look. Probably never seen a human before but just knew something wasn't right and they'd just stop and look at you. And we called a couple in that got – I think I was uh, like 15 yards off one but the stuff he was in, you could see his head and, and his antlers but that's all you could see so yep. I couldn't shoot him and then – uh, I called another one in that got to about 50 or something like that. And, um, or oh, the guide wasn't with us. He was back a bit and he got to a certain thing and he couldn't see what was calling him. And I wasn't game to call again because I was sort of standing in front of a tree ready to draw me bow if he kept coming. And then he, he sort of looked and then walked away and we had a few like pretty good encounters. And then, um, but the one I ended up shooting, we landed on a different lake we flew across to this different lake and when we flew around it there was two or three bulls on the lake so we landed and you can't shoot the day you fly yep so we landed and uh oh, one of the guides went in the plane to go somewhere else and i was sitting on the bank and one of the guides was up the bush doing something cutting out a camp or something and i was just sitting there having a can of drink or something i can't remember having a coffee and i heard this bull gluck and stupidly i called back to him <laughs> Not not thinking, you know, you uh, just have have it. You just think, oh, a bull called. I'll sweet. call him back. Yeah, so so I called him back, and then I thought, and then he called again, and I thought, well, that sounds a bit closer. So I called him again, and next minute, here's this bull on the edge of the lake, looking around, and he comes walking down to me, and I'm sitting on an esky, <laughs> like in the middle of no- <laughs> on the edge of the water in the middle of nowhere, and I thought, oh, this is going to be fun, and he got about, oh, I don't know, probably. Might have been 80, 100 yards. He was just across this little bay, and I thought, oh, he's going to walk right around here to me. No, nah, not Moose doing what Moose do. He just walked straight across the water towards me, glucking. I didn't call him anymore, and he walked past me at probably, I don't know, 25 yards. Oh, shit. Still swaying his head and glucking, and I'm sitting there just with the camera on him, videoing him and taking a few photos, and he just kept walking around the lake past me, and I sort of followed him and watched him. And he walked around and a couple of cows come out of the scrub and he made it up with them and yeah. hung around on the other side of the lake. <laughs> and I was like, and when the guide <laughs> came down, he said, what was that noise I heard? And I said, oh, I called the bull in. And he said, oh, you didn't shoot him, did you? And I went, no, we flew today. I presume you couldn't, have, you can't shoot. And he said, no, that's the rule. You're not allowed to shoot him. I said, no, he walked around. There he is over there. And he just looked at me and shook his head like, oh, <laughs> no, I hope that's not the last opportunity you get at him. But anyway, next day we got up. He was still over there and ended up going over, getting the wind right, and ended up stalking in and shooting him. Yeah. What would you? So, have, what would you, way would you have it? You stalked him and called one in. Would you prefer? Oh. Oh no! You like same as any animal. Like calling them in yeah. is that whole. Um, your foot. You know, you shooting the like stalking them is. You know, it takes a bit of skill. You still got to work out your wind and. And you still got to sneak in, you know, like I had my boots off or my rubber boots off and, and stalked in on him. But 
that whole calling them in, fooling them at their own game. You know, that's yeah. the that's the real thing for me. Even with any sort of deer as well, like reds or fallow or chittle or anything, just to see a, an animal that's undisturbed and look at him and and work out. You know, you can sometimes once you once you're hanging around animals a lot, you sort of get that idea on oh, he's in this sort of a mood. You know, like I might I might I'll doe call him or I'll I'll rattle him or I might even just give him a real light call and I'll and I'll scrub a tree or something like that and then to have them come in that you don't really need to shoot them if you do that because yeah. you've fooled them you yeah. know what I mean it's like catch and release a fish yeah you threw your lure out and you hooked him and landed him but you let him go and that's the hooking and the landing is pro you know the fight is probably equal to calling an animal getting him to come in and then going there you go buddy yeah now you can walk away I mean you do you probably do educate them a bit doing that. Like we try not to do that, but you know, like I called a couple of reds in this year and it's just, it's more the thrill I think than actually firing the arrow. Yeah. When, you know, especially like when they do, get, especially when they get fired up that, because sometimes they get that, I know we've had a couple, oh, yeah. elk, couple of elk do it and it's just like, they really yeah. get this like, yep. I'm going to hurt you if I can find you. Like, I'm <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're like, and they're all, um, everything like they're all, it's exactly the same thing. Like, I, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, especially lately with this COVID stuff going on, but been watching a lot of YouTube and you, and you watch some guys who probably, you know, I'm not saying I'm better than them, but you think, you know, they're cow calling an elk and he's coming in and then they bugle. And you think, why did you why do did that? Throw that one out there. Yeah. <laughs> because, because when you do that, if you, if you think about it, if you're, if you're an elk, if you're a bull and say you're a, you still might be a big six point, but you might be a satellite. You know, there could have been a massive big bodied bull that knocked you off your cows and you heard a cow over the hill there and he's called you. You think, well, there's a stray cow and you're heading over there. And then a bull calls, you think, oh, that's changed things. Like, get my ass flogged again. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of coming straight in, um, they will invariably go high on you or go wind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're if you're there with someone and he's calling, you have to then think about oh, I've got to get upwind or downwind, downwind, so that if he does come in that way, I'm going to still get him, or I get high because he's going to come high to have a look. Yeah. And if he really wants a fight, like any animal that really wants a fight, usually tries to get high. Yeah, because that's the dominant position is high. Yeah, coming back down yep. on top. So, but if you keep cow, like I called a couple of reds in this year, and as soon as they responded really well to a, a doe call, I never roared. Yep. I would, and and they come straight. They come dead straight. Yep. But if you roar at them, invariably they'll do a circle around you, or they'll try and get your wind to see. They're not trying to wind you. To think if you're a human, they're they're trying to smell. You know whether there's does there or how big the stag is. Dominance. Or, yep. or, yeah. That's right. Or get high on you so that if there is a blue, I want to be high so I can push you out. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. You know, like I think you just I, you. And that's half. That's that's the hunting. Like when I'm hunting or fishing, I just like to, you know, for me, fooling a fooling a fish or an animal into eating me lure or or coming in to get it within range is ninety percent of the thrill. Once you yeah. to put an arrow through them and put them on the wall and get your photo taken, you know, I think a lot of guys get a bit too wrapped up about that. Like for me, it's the whole just being in the bush and fooling an animal or sneaking in. You know, if you have to, if you do see an animal. I've done a couple of stupid things. Like last time I was away, I seen a, a, a big chittle stag and he had, well, I didn't know he had does with him. I seen him. I thought he was on his own and I thought, oh, I could stalk him, but oh, it's a lot more fun if I call him in. Yeah. So I, so I rattled him and a doe stood up and I thought, 
now I'm done. I've got I'm, no I'm stuff now. I've got no ammo. If I, yeah, that's right. Because he's not going to leave her. Mm. And all he did then was just kept looking where I was, and I thought, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But if I had if I had had a good look and took me time and seen a doe on the ground, like, like the stalk was easier. It was against the wind, and and I had cover. So I'm not saying I would have shot him, but you know, you sort of that's the sort of thing you've got to work out all the time when you're, when you're hunting animals and especially chittle, you know, we've talked about chittle. They're just there. I think they're another level. I mean, red, yeah. reds are same. Red does are, are pretty switched on and they're all over you and chittle are the, exactly the same. They're just, and then even when you fire a shot at a chittle, no matter how close he is or how, how good your shooting is, you're still 50, 50. Yeah. 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 You so, don't, you're not, you're still not hundred percent sure. Are you? <laughs> no. No, I don't think I ever shoot at a chittle. I've shot a lot of chittle with a bow, and I don't think I ever shoot at him and think I've got this fella. Yeah. Or if you, or if you do, you're so disappointed at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> You've learnt that for you. Yeah. Well, I think. I mean, we. I remember sitting on uh, that. I think it was 2016. Yeah, it was. It was 2016 because it was Brad, mis- myself, Brad, and Jerry when we did that film, that healer film. Yep. And like I remember sitting on the on the side of the mountain, and you can't you get caught up in the whole like you bugle, they bugle. You bugle, they yeah. bugle. And same yeah. as reds. That's, you roar, they roar. That's the thrill of it. You, they yeah. roar. Yeah. And, you know, and you're like, oh, they're so good. And when you, you throw out a cow call and nothing happens, you're like, uh huh. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like, and I remember doing it and, like, I was, you know, I said, oh, Smithy, you know, throw out a, throw another bugle, throw out a bugle. Cause it was like, you get caught up in that <laughs> moment of, you know, it's bugle oh, at me. That, yep. And then, you know, Brad would turn around and go, yeah, but what do they really want this time of the year, man? How does they yeah. think about it? You know, what do, what do they really want? Like, do you want to go into a fight or do you want to do you want the girls? Yeah, like, yeah, where it's smack right. bang in the middle of a rut. Like, and it's like, yeah, good point, man. Like, and, it, See, and obviously it ended up paying off, but. Yeah, and a lot of times it's, they're really funny. Like, I've, I've seen them bulls over there where they're, you can cow call them and they'll walk away. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Like, you, you just, and, you, and it makes you think, oh, Everybody's cow calling at these bulls, you know, and they're and they're spooked. And then you'll bugle and bugle, and they'll walk over, but they don't look like they're walking over for a for a fight. They just sometimes a bugle attracts them for some yeah, reason. Acquisitive, I don't know. Must must be for friendship. Whether it's you know they're not rutting and they just mm. want to come for a look, or for some reason, yeah. It, and you just got to go. I suppose you just gauge that. But I sort of really enjoy now. I go over every year and. I think nearly for 10 years I've been going over there and it's just – I've got to the stage now with them where I'm quite happy. When I go to Idaho, I've got a mate there and I pretty much – I take, I, of course, I take my bow and I'll shoot a coyote or whatever, but I just I just call. I'm quite yeah. happy to call, call the ball in for him and, and him to shoot it. Yeah. Like it's it's just as big a thrill as, as being the guy that's shooting the arrow. Like he's he basically sits there for – you know, up to an hour or something like that and does nothing. Well, at least you're doing something. At least yeah. you're caught breaking a tree and, and playing a game. Ripping in. With an animal, whereas he's got to sit there and be quiet. <laughs> yeah. We look at, you look at a lot of those, the, the elk guys, like it's hard work by, by all means, but I mean, they get to see not just one, but you know, maybe three, four, five animals harvested in a season. Like they're, they're amongst it for, you know, they're right into it, like for a whole season, oh. like get so much more out of it. Oh yeah, I think, I think so. Anyway, like I, you know, I, I love shooting shit. Like oh, if I go away on pigs or something, I'm yeah, I don't mind putting arrows. <laughs> I love putting arrows through stuff, but but when it can't, like, but I still love that calling and and even like hogs, you can call them in. Yeah. But um, 
it just yeah it's just i don't know it just seems to be more of a thrill and I, like i said i suppose it's it's a bit like if you do let them walk away it's a bit like catch and release a fish yeah you know you catch a big barra or something like that and you get him in take a photo and, and chuck him back in the water and it makes you feel good and, and i think um calling an animal in whether you whether you shoot him or not it's still pretty satisfying yeah, you know it's a bit of a win there's a lot of time a lot of times, you know, you might call him in and he, he might be front on and he only comes at 30 and you just go, well, I'm not taking that shot. And he walks away. Well, you just – I think I've hunted a lot with a few guys and, and like Brad and, and Daryl Fullock and guys like that. And, and I was the same as a lot of young guys. First off, I just I just want to shoot things. Yeah. And they, they would kick me in the nuts every, every <laughs> trip and go, hey, listen, don't be scared to not have a shot. Yeah. It'll make you feel just as good to watch something walk away or if the stalk's not right, if the wind's not right, we don't go in. But tomorrow we might, or the next day we might. We're here for five days. If we don't disturb this animal, then you're going to get another opportunity. But if we rush in there and we muck it up, he's gone and he's out of the country and we've never seen him again. Yeah. And I sort of, and I sort of, and that's how I hunt now. I hunt. I'd be, I'm quite happy if I go. I've chased a couple of reds that I really want to shoot for two years now, like. I think last year I spent, of the rut, I probably spent two months in the bush. Yep. I probably looked like a mangy dingo by the end of the rut last year. I was done. <laughs> and I never and I never fired an arrow at either of the animals. And I had them roaring at me and I had them within like 60 yards, but I just never fired an arrow and they never knew I was there the whole time. Yeah. Because I, I didn't want to scare them out of the place. I didn't want to spook them. Yep. And, I didn't want to, and I didn't want to try a stupid shot and wound one. Mm. Mm. So... That's just how I hunt now. I just hunt with, with that attitude that, well, you know, if a big boar or a good stag is, is in the wrong position or whatever, I'll walk away and I'll just, I'm happy to let him live or I'm happy to come back tomorrow or the next week or, or whenever or someone else shoots him, then that's good yep. for them. But I don't, I don't sort of, you sort of get to the stage, I think, where you, you've got to be happy to let an animal walk if he's not in the right position or, you know the shot's not right, or he's too far, or anything like that. You know. Yeah. What, I think once you get. What do you reckon's helped you get to that point though? Like, apart from obviously you get to hunt with guys that have been around a lot of it. You've done plenty yourself now. Is it is it the numbers you've taken, or is it just seeing the disappointment of certain scenarios, or is it a mixture of everything? I think it, I think it's a bit of a mix. I think. You know, I've shot a few animals, like I've shot elk and I've shot moose, I've shot all that stuff, but. I think, and the disappointment of seeing what can happen if you do take a bad shot. decision, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some guys, you know, on YouTube, you just watch some blokes, and I was watching a YouTube thing today, and this guy's like, oh, like, I had him at 72, and I know I can make that shot, but there was a stick in the way. (laughs) The stick's the last thing you need to worry about, bud. (laughs) You can't make that. You can't make a 70-yard shot. That's, I don't care. You can. I can. I can walk out in the backyard and or on my, on my little range and shoot, walk, walk out. Of a morning, you're fresh, you warm up, you pull your bow back and you shoot a, shoot a bullseye at 30, then you walk back to 40 and you shoot three arrows inside a tennis ball. But that's not with adrenaline. That's not with one foot uneven on the other or trees in the way and you're leaning a little bit. That's, that's not in the bush. Yeah. And flogged, I defy flog, guys. Flogged up a hill, puffing, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yep, and then have to draw your bow 
and and pick a spot and try and hit an animal through the chest, not through the flank or the guts or somewhere and go, well, I've gut shot him. I'll come back tomorrow and we'll trail him or the next day. And when I find him, I won't be able to get the meat, but I'll probably get his antlers. Yeah. That's Seems or, a common story on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you could have or you've could have taken your time and let him go on bed because you're here for, you know, there's you know, these guys, some of them are on a ten, fifteen day hunt in this in a in a place. So take your time, watch him go on bed, and if he's not right, well he's gonna be there tomorrow because you haven't disturbed him. Mm. But if you go and rush that shot and do something like that, and like I you know, every bow hunter who shot things has mucked up. You can muck up at 20 yards and, and, you know, we've all done it, but you just try and do your best, I think, to, to not muck up, you know, if you, if you, if you get your animals close and try and shoot them when they're undisturbed, then, you know, you're cutting them odds down. I think that's what you got to try and do, you know, and make sure, you know, and make sure you can shoot as well. It's getting hard to, to mix it, to weigh it up is opportunities are getting less and less on quality animals and then you know there's potential it's their own you know you're getting out for the ruts the only hunt you got for the year it's like you're pushing that you're pushing that that buffer that red line and all the time but i can speak firsthand by pushing that shot in that scenario and not coming off is like it kills you like it smashes you oh yeah Um, we've all done it i've done it and it just it's hard to think of it at the time if you haven't seen if you haven't had that happen to you yet like the disappointment and got away with it that's right yeah. but when it does oh, some, happen oh man it sticks in your head some some guys go out and, and their first you know like their first hunt and they shoot a, a really good you know whether it's a double six red or, or something like that and, and then and they think oh this is easy and then that's that's usually the road you know I think my first red deer I shot was a was a double six and, and I thought oh this ain't too too hard but it can be that, – that's just a road to it destruction from there. It just fucking spirals from there. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I've, I've come home after six-day hunts on Chittle and just – like I was so deflated, I, I just didn't know whether I was going to – I'm selling me bow. I'm <laughs> – Yep, yep. I'm out. Stuff. I'm out. Yep. Fishing, fishing's, exact, fishing's exactly the same. You can, you can go away and have a bumper trip and then and then the next time you go away, you – you fish exactly the same areas, and you do exactly the same things, yeah. and you do nothing wrong, mate. I've seen and, I've seen you spit spit it on film, mate. <laughs> no, no hiding. Nah. <laughs> no, I don't think I spat it. Nah, not at all. It wasn't Harry at all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, they cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> but I think you got it. I think with bow hunting, it's it's a, another level on top of you know on top of rifle shoot and and certain types of fishing and all that. Bow hunting is is at a level where you have to be able to accept defeat. Mm. If you can't, if you can't accept defeat, and I see a bit of this on YouTube, you, they just some of the guys on YouTube, they're in it only. In my opinion, they're in it only for one thing, and that's for their whatever they are followers or likers yeah. or or you know that photo in a on a magazine or on that sort of thing. So they have to take that shot. Mm. That's the opinion I get. They feel like they have to take that shot, whereas. Bow hunting is just defeats you all the time. So if you've been, if you've ever played any sort of sport and you've been in a team that gets beat a lot, you soon learn to get beat. Yeah. And that's what that's what bow hunting is going to do to you. Mm. I, I mean, it's going to get you to a stage where you you've just got to not care about losing. Some of us have that but sickness you, that we could just continue with it. We just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, 
but it's like that. It's it's addictive. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so I, I give it to the like Mark Pitts was on 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 a couple ago, and um, you know, doing the curve thing. You know, going his ear on seven times and having a shot, and yet, you know, flogging yeah. your body. You know, and you're just like. Yep. yep, and that's hard. Kudos, man. Like it's there's no other way to yep. to give it. You know what I mean? It's just dedication to it. Yeah, that's that's that whole. You know, it's just around the corner. It could be a next opportunity to, you know. And you always like I, I know when I hunt on my own a lot. Of, you know, you you sort of dream to yourself when you're walking along after time, and you you look up a hill and think, oh, oh I just I wonder. Yeah, I'll walk up there, and as you get up near the top, you think, wouldn't it be good if you just looked over and just seen a big double six rack or yeah. or something like that? You know, just poking up over the grass, and you slip over, and you just put an arrow through him, and then you can go home, and it never happens. <laughs> but don't, do you, I don't know if it's – I know I do it, and I was only telling Lonnie on the weekend, but, like, when you've been to a place and you had that moment happen and you didn't, like – you would like, I never ever see anything there. And then that day, you know, it's there. How many times do you put the animal back there when you're walking up that same track? And oh. you're like, I wonder if he's going to be there again. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. It plays your head, something bad. Yeah. I've, I've, I chased a big red at a, on a mate's property once. And man, I was so close to him, I don't know how many times. And the closest I got was like 15 yards and he was looking at me under a lantana bush and I was looking under the lantana bush at the same time. <laughs> and I, but I couldn't shoot him. All I could see was the bottom of his guts and his head. Yeah. Big big curly forehead and big double six antlers. Oh. And, and, I, and I called him in, but I couldn't get a shot at him. And that deer just haunted me. I yeah. called him. One day I called him from 500 yards away. A doe called him and he roared his head off and just run at me. And... And I still never shot him that day. He got he come in on a wrong on the wrong angle and was twenty five yards off me, and I couldn't shoot him. And but that and and you're right. Like every time I go back to that spot now, I expect to see him. Yep. But he's not there. He's no. I haven't seen him for two years. So someone shot him, or he's died of old age, or yeah. or whatever. He's moved on. But you you sort of get that thing in your head where I wonder where that fella is. Oh, wouldn't it be good if I just walk around that corner and he was rubbing a tree somewhere? You know, yeah, trying to yeah, trying to dream but, it up trying to dream it into real yeah life, but that's that that's that whole i don't know i think i've i've hunted since i was old enough to hold an air rifle so i think i started when i was like three or five or something like that yeah everyone like all my mates down the hunter valley they all hunt and i think everyone's the same it's that whole you get that in your blood in the bush and it's that whole going out and you know we used to go shoot ducks and rabbits on the weekend to eat and, you know, there was no big game around the Hunter Valley then. There was no deer or goats or pigs. There was a few pigs, but yep. that's what we'd, we'd eat, ducks, rabbits, the really the odd pig, you know, if we if we shot it or whatever. And and you just get that in your blood where that's just what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yep. you just love it. I've just sort of loved it all my life. And I've probably had jobs where I've had enough time off and, you know, I worked for the government for a long time and, and you had, and when I was in the meat works, you finish at two o'clock every day, so you'd be straight home in the car. And when I lived around Tenerfield, you'd be out in the New England chasing goats or pigs or yep. foxes or yep. or whatever. So yeah, it sort it of gets in, made it a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, like when with bow hunting, I think, and it's no different to rifle shooting. When I used, I always loaded my own bullets, and, and with the bow hunting, I like making my own arrows and playing with you know heavier or lighter or these. Today I was putting. You know, I thought uh, I was shooting my arrows, and I thought them flights are just a little bit, bit noisy. I'll just change the helical on a bit, so I 
cut the helical down and not cut it down, but straighten it up a little bit yep. just, and just make sure my arrows are still going to fly really good with that helical. And, and I, then I, you know, I'll get the missus to stand halfway up the yard and listen to them and she'll go, yeah, that one's a lot quieter than the other one. I think, yep, right. I'll stick with that as long as it shoots. All right. And yep. Blah, blah. Just Always that whole plane. Around. Just tinking. Yeah. Yeah. Playing, you know, and tuning me bow, which me mates reckon that's my problem because I start playing with it and then I <laughs> muck up and then I got to start again. <laughs> I put new cables on a couple of days ago, and I, I, I said to the missus yesterday. She said, "What are you doing now?" And I said, "I'm just going to say one thing. It's a good thing I don't get, I don't, I don't charge myself by the hour when I'm doing <laughs> like this because I'll be broke. I, I reckon, I, I reckon I've spent twelve hours on tuning these cables properly. Like, oh, and shit. it's just, well, you know, if I don't, if I see an arrow flick wrong in the air or it looks at all not right, or you're like right." Does, I'm like, oh, what's going on? So I'm checking my cables against the dots and I'm doing this and yep. measuring stuff. And But anyway, i got nothing else to do with all this stupid COVID's on. Oh, so nice. Keeps, all that. Keeps, keeps me busy. There's not too many people buying fishing lures. So. No. What was your first love, man? Fishing or hunting? Oh, hunting. I was, yeah, I was sort of born into that. My grandfather hunted and my father hunted. We hunted for food. And yep. Like I said, I think I started shooting a shotgun when I was about, I don't know, nine or something like that. I had an air rifle when I was five or four or something. And yep. Yeah, so I think, like, I still like, I really like fishing, but um, I think, yeah, hunting, sort of. If, if if you said to me, you can only do one or the other, I'd probably take hunting. It yep. just, because it's a bit more fitness orientated as well. Yeah, like the I like side of it, yep. Yep. yeah. Yeah, like I can... I can guarantee you, I probably lose three or four kilos during the rut, and I'm not real heavy anyway, you know. <laughs> so I end up like a greyhound by the end of the rut. That's the deal I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when I and when I go to America, I probably lose the same over there in September. Yeah. So I'm, I usually go for four weeks over there. So that's just non-stop every day, just about. So and for anybody that hasn't travelled the states, to lose four kilo with the food that they serve you over there is a pretty oh, damn good effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tell you. No, oh, you got to. I think I think you got to. I'm I'm pretty much resigned to the fact that I I don't eat out very much over there at oh, all. It's hard, isn't it? Like you just to try and find a solid meal, man. It's just. Oh. Well, they have when when you have donuts for breakfast. <laughs> just... <laughs> like I remember the first time I we went over there, we were in a motel. Uh, the first oh, might have been the first motel I stayed in, and it was breakfast included. And um, we went out for breakfast, and on the buffet, and we're looking around like. Uh, okay, and I said to him, mate, oh, what's for breakfast? And he goes, yeah, it's all out there. And it was donuts and all, all like shit Real health. Ice. Real health yeah. food. Real health. And I was like, no, Pop tarts and oh. – Yeah. All that sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, no, I can't eat that for breakfast. I've got to go and get bacon and eggs or something, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, but um, yeah. So when did you pick up the bow? Um. Oh, I must be doing it now for 15. Yeah, it has to be that long. Probably nearly 20 years, yeah. Yeah, I just. Was, just a, was it just a quick a, decision or was it? Well, it's a funny story. I had a property out west near Tallwood and me and my young bloke were the only people that were allowed on there and it was lousy with pigs and we'd go out there and we'd just shoot. You could shoot 100 pigs in a weekend if you wanted to and like a lot of good boars in that. Yeah. And we sort of got – it was getting to the stage we were getting sick of it, so we are using shotguns and we are frigging around, you know, and yep. chasing them in the ute and shooting them just to have a bit of fun. And a young bloke said to me one day, I want to get a bow. 
And I said, ah, look, I know all these friggin' idiots down the Hunter Valley. They've got bows and they're all wankers. They wear friggin' camo all, all the time. <laughs> they got camo. They wear because they were wearing their camo jackets to fish and pumps and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And I used to, I used to call, I used to say, you blacks are wankers. Like, why you wear, why can't even see us? Where are you? You know, all You're really day. eating your words right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and anyway, so one of them, Jamie Bradshaw, he only lives not, oh, you know, he's a yeah, couple far from you, of hours yeah. from, you know, and um, he's pretty good with a bow and he, and I, and I rang him up and he said, he's like, what do you want? I said, oh, mate, the young bloke wants a bow. And he's oh, yeah, right. I bring him down. And anyway, so he had a, he had a 50 pound bow or something like that. He'd sell me. And so I took him down there and he fitted him and, and did all that. And, and as I was leaving, he said, I tell you what, he said, I'll bet you, you're down here next week wanting one. And I said, nah, I'm not getting into that shit. Like with you wankers, he's wearing your camo all the time. And, um, <laughs> anyway, I reckon. So, um, I reckon I started like Chris was shooting this bow, and I'd have a little bit of a go, and and then he he'd go to school, and I'd get the bow out, and, I'd, and I had a bale, you know those massive big, like a wool bale, yeah, yeah, you know, and I had a circle in it, probably I don't know twice the size of a soccer ball, and I'd I'd start shooting, and I and if I hit that soccer ball at about fifteen yards, I'd think how good I was, and I got better and better, and I was hitting the soccer ball all the time, and. And I thought, oh, this is all right. So I thought, oh, I'm going to have to friggin' bite me, bite me lip Shit. and ring Jamie. So I, I rang Jamie and he said, I know what you want. <laughs> and I went, ah, ah. So anyway, he sold me this friggin' bow and, and I started shooting with it. And, um, and, I, and it just became a little bit addictive, you know? Yeah. I think I, felt, I put a, I was living, I wasn't out of town, but I was, in, luckily, I was, there wasn't too many houses around me because, I think I made every mistake in the book of, you know, drawing in the air and the and the release would go off and the arrow never to be seen again somewhere and <laughs> stupid shit like that, you know, like oh, and I put a couple you know? through the side of the house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was two two holes in the front of the house. Um, <laughs> and just, just yeah, and I just, I don't know, and and then once we started, once we got good, well, you know, could we thought once we could hit a soccer ball at twenty yeah, yards, yeah, that was you, pretty good. Good, yeah, that's right. So then we. Yeah, so then we started taking them out west and it just, you know, hunting with the bow compared to a rifle. You'd shoot a pig here and then walk another 50 yards and there'd be, Smack you know, three boars on a sow and you'd, you'd shoot two of them and then you'd walk another 50 yards and there'd be more pigs running around. We thought, this is unreal. We're not even scaring anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we, yeah, we sort of got pretty addicted to it then and, oh, and then well, Chris hard. moved on. He got a job elsewhere and then I've just, uh, I've just kicked on and I've still, uh, I don't know. It's one still, of them things. Young I'd, still do it? Does Chris still nah, do it? Nah, he's mad fishing. Mad fishing. Nah, he's crazy. He actually asked me the other day if I had a spare bow, but he lives on the Gold Coast on a lake. I said, "What are you going? Where are you going to practice? Like, what are you going to do? Put a put a float, something that floats in the lake, and shoot it." Yeah, like one of them golf, like golf driving ranges, man. He's, yeah. a, he's lobbing arrows out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, awesome. that's probably that's probably a bad idea. Yeah, no, don't do that. Yeah. Anybody that heard that, don't do that. That's bad. That's frowned upon. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> frowned upon. Yeah, especially on the Gold Coast. It's freaking dog. It's lie down. What's he doing? Dog. Licking oh, up the chops. Oh, he's chewing Give me a pat. Uh, he probably wants to get out and have a piss or something, but he's not. No, let him He'll out. He'll go looking for girls. Nah, you go looking for girls. Yeah, that's right. So when did... Well, that's bow hunting, I mean, it, it, it blossomed pretty pretty fast and obviously you're, you're 
you're in a good crew, put it that way. You knew the right people as far as if you're going to get a Bowen, like starting with Bradshaw. I was pretty. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty. I was sort of. Well, I, I, can't think, shoot. I think I was lucky. Yeah, yeah, you can shoot. I, I was pretty lucky that way that I got. He, I think he got. <laughs> it was funny because I think he got the shits with me ringing him up and asking him questions because, you know, like. You know what a bow's like. If you haven't really got no idea how they work or anything like that, yeah. nothing. Like familiar. if it shot off to the, yeah, if it shot off, I had no idea. I, I I didn't understand anything, had no clue. So I'd be ringing him every night saying, "Oh, but me bow's shooting high to the left, but it wasn't doing that yesterday." And so he, you know, like I'd be using a different arrow, but I didn't know that'd make any difference, you know, <laughs> yeah. or something. And he got, I think he got the shits, and he said to me one night, "I'll give you a number to ring." And he said, you need to call this bloke. <laughs> and it was Smithy's number. Nah. <laughs> and, and I think after about two weeks, I think Brad, Brad said, he told me later on, he said, my missus said, who, who is this guy ringing you every time? <laughs> so then I started ringing Smithy. I started ringing Smithy and saying, ah, oh, mate, like this and that. And Brad's like, oh. Anyway, and then we we actually become pretty good mates and Kicked hooked up off. and done a few hunts together. and We've... I think we've been half around half the world. We've been to Alaska together, and um, <laughs> I think we've been to Idaho and Oregon, hunting elk a few times. And yeah, it's, and we bounce off. We, we sort of got the same ethics. Like Brad doesn't care if something walks away. If it's not, if he gets something quartered on or anything like that at, at twenty yards, and he doesn't want the shot, he just lets them walk away. And and so no, we've sort of no shelled no pretty shot. well together. No shots, no shot. Yeah, no shots, no shot. If it's over, you know, a long shot for Brad's probably thirty, but you know. He's a good caller and a good stalker, so he gets a lot of shots at that range mm, in, that, sure. in that real close in that close area. So, yeah, so we hooked up and, and you know, a few of his mates, they're all bushies and fishermen too, so we all sort of got on pretty good. Yep. So, and, and so I sort of grew into that whole, um, you now I wear camo all the time. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm known around the, where I live, everyone in town knows me. <laughs> well, there's a guy that wears camo around town. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I tell you, what... Uh, I've got to ask this question. What What's one thing that stands out that you were told or shown or whatever it may be from any of the people? It's probably going to be Brad, but it may not be. But when it comes to hunting, you know, what's the one thing that's always stuck in your mind? Uh, I'll give you a bit of help. Like if you're, going in, if you're going in on a stalk or anything, it could be anything that someone's just chirped at you once and gone, yep. Oh, I think I've known, like, since I was a kid, there's the one thing that I, the, my biggest consideration if I'm going in on stalk is wind. Yeah. So that's, that's my always, always my biggest consideration. And it's not wind direction where you are, it's wind direction. Like, the wind, wind direction in a gully is going to it's going to be different to what it is on the ridge and you have to know that and it's going to be different in the morning to what it is in the afternoon and it's it's always it's always win for me like you can get away an animal can see you move and you can fool him by then disappearing or or doing something but if he smells you you're done he's next like there, there's yep there's no there is there is no there's no coming back from an yep. animal smelling you yeah once they smell you you're done like yep. I feel I've fooled animals by picking leaves off like they've seen something move in a bush and I'll pick the leaves off a tree and they'll think it's another deer or a kangaroo feeding and you, you'll fool them they'll go back to feeding and they'll walk past you 
and I've fooled them by shaking my head, bending over and shaking my head, and they think it's a cow or something like that. Any anything visual, you can you can sometimes fool them, but you'll never fool. The nose. Like wind, wind, wind is something you can't ever fool them with. Mm. Yeah, but that's that's my biggest thing. Like that's always I never walk with the wind, and it's a consideration when I'm hunting where I'm going and what I'm doing. I'm like there's certain places I won't even bother going. No no sense driving there because the wind's you know blowing from the east today and. You're not, you're not going to be able to walk in there. Geez, I've done that a few times. I've got to back you there because you know, you know, you're walking up a valley, or you know, and you're just like, this wind's up my ass. Yeah. Like this morning's done, but some, yeah, well, it's a bushwalk this morning. Like, <laughs> yep, that's what it is. You know, and it's like you kind of, yeah, you should have just literally turned around or had a completely different plan. Like, yep. there's no, yeah. there's just, I, I there's had, no... I had some guys the other day. I was chatting to some mates, and they're only just getting in the game. They're probably going to listen to this, but, you know, and credit to them, you know, they're trying hard. But they said, oh, you know, we've been in there, we've been in there, been in there, and then we didn't see anything. I said, it's probably scent, mate. You know, it goes to wind and, and foot traffic. Like, if you hit an area hard enough for too long, it's not right. It's it's just nope. like being in the air. Like, they're going to go, something's not right here, and they'll change. you'll change their habit. Yeah, if they keep if they keep crossing you, yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Like, you, you see it no matter where you go. If you, you can hunt, you can hunt us. You, you might hunt a, an area twice. You might hunt an area once in the morning, and well, definitely if you go back there in the afternoon, you might not ever. If you walk through it, you probably won't see anything. But next morning, you might see them again if you go back in there. But if you go back the next day, you're probably not going to see them for three days. Yeah, you know, some t- depends too. Like there's there's heaps of things in that, but. Yeah, like if they're stupid enough and they just, or they're rutting hard enough, or, or something like that, they you mock it away. And or if or if it or if it's rained or if it's yeah yeah you know what I mean. Or if it's really dry, the scent doesn't stay as long. Things like that, and if you don't walk in through scrapes or you don't touch things too much, you can get away with a little bit of stuff. But yeah, scent's definitely something that an animal just and and that, no matter what, like even pig pigs are the same. Like they oh. they got a really good nose. People think pigs are stupid, but they got a freaking. They'll, the they smell you. Yeah, they smell you from three hundred yards away. They're gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it before. You know, you can trick them with eyesight. Hogs' eyesight and that aren't that good. They'll, ah. you know, they'll use other animals to probably help them out a little bit. Like you'll see if a cattle, a kangaroo runs or a cow runs, the old hogs generally yeah. running with him. Like it, you know, oh, they, they know they, they get they very well known. Yeah, but that nose, old hog gets whiffier. Even in a swirling wind, they seem to know where to go. You know, they have no yeah, idea. Like, yeah, where you are, but they're just gone. And the weird, the weird thing about some animals is, the wind can be swirling, and you think, oh, he's he thinks he's like that wind's coming from the other side. He's got to think I'm over there. No, <laughs> they they will still know where you are. Yeah, they've they've got us fucking dialed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yep. uh, how did you? And I mean, I can really sense for the conversation of you know why why you've probably been as successful in in hunting and fishing, but like where did fishing come along knowing that sort of you grew up in the hunting? Like did you just, was it part and parcel at some point or was there a sort of a moment that you really sort of jumped into the fishing game? Uh, oh, I fished, I still fish like where I come from down the Hunter River. Like fishing was going out the river with um, with a float on your rod and fishing for mullet or, mm-hmm. or perch or something like that with yeah. crickets. And, Not well. So I grew up grew up sort of doing that and and then um oh i did a bit of salt water like i think dad bought me a 
a beach rod and we'd go to the beach once a month or something like that and catch a few tailor down Stockton and mm-hmm. but but then um when I moved to Queensland there's a few like they were stocking uh, bass in the lake here. Yep. So there's a couple of lakes that were pretty close to me and I boat and started you know, trolling around for them. And at that stage of the game, these bass up here were probably a big one was 30 centimetres. Yeah, right. So this is this is right back when they started stocking. And I got involved with the stocking group and become a fairly local on Maroon and Mugra around Boat Desert and Boona and that. And um, that's where I sort of started in that. And then I the meatworks in Boat Desert closed like a fair few years after that. And I had a choice whether I could move or you know, take a redundancy. So I decided I'd take a redundancy and, and start guiding. So I started guiding on bass and okay. cod in the New England and stuff like that. And then through the guiding, I, um, you know, obviously you meet a few people and they started yeah. tournaments and I got a few sponsors and because, you know, it was early on in the stage. So people were looking to promote their stuff. So I was probably lucky that way. So, you know, there was boat sponsors and motor sponsors and all that sort of stuff were pretty willing. So I, Jumped on a fair bit of that stuff, and what years are we and talking? And then through that, sorry to cut you, man. What, oh, what geez, I don't know. That, that must be back in. Oh, I don't know. That must be back in two thousand, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah, two thousand. I won the first grand final. and went to or ninety nine. It might have been. I won the first grand final. and Went to America for the prize. So yeah. it was. That was about when. That was about when the tournaments really started. The good tournaments like mm-hmm. the ABT, where you know, a bit like the American tournaments. So yeah, and then through that. And I was guiding when I when when the tournaments first started, and then I took some Japanese fishing one day for one of my sponsors, and and they were throwing these lures and 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 kicking me ass pretty well. So I was like, eh, what are these lures? And and you know we had a bit of a yarn, and they you know not that they spoke much English, but um, they showed me these lures, and I said, yeah, I want some of them. What's the what's the best brand? And they said, oh, because they had a big tackle store in in um, Japan, and uh, they said, oh. Well, We'll send you some. So I gave them, I think, two hundred bucks or something like that. Which them days that was a lot of money for. Yeah, yeah it's good. Like these days, buy two laws for that. Yeah, but but um, <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> but but back back then, you you expect to get you know twenty laws. Mm. And um, anyway, so I rang them a week or two later and said, "Oh, how's the laws going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got them packed up. We sent them. Anyway, when the package turned up, there was about six or eight laws in it. <laughs> and I I actually rang them and said, "Oh." Mate, I, I gave you – one of them spoke English, so I spoke to him, and I said, I gave you $200. And he said, yeah, I, I told you they were expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it was a bullshit, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> like, these things were 20 bucks each or something like that. It was unheard of yeah. back then. Like, a, a law was $10. That yep. was it. That was a, that was your expensive law, you know. And um, and so – but then I started using them, and that's how I discovered jackal. I, they, they were jackal lures, and I started using them, and I said, and I'd, I'd have clients in the boat. I'd be at the back of the boat and they'd be at the front casting and I'd be catching. I'd catch three bass. They'd catch one between them and stuff like this. And they'd say, oh, give us one of them laws. And I'd be like, no, nah, you, you're using the same ones. And I was, and I just kept using them and using them. And I thought, mate, these things are dynamite. Yeah. So I, start, I got a few more, you know, got another 100 bucks worth and got a couple of mates, some and stuff like that. And we started using them in comps and winning comps. And, and I thought, and the, and the, the guys at the shop said to me, why don't we put you, because I was ringing them and getting these lures, why don't we just put you in contact with the boss? He's a friend of ours. So 
yeah, okay. So I did that. And then anyway, so I bought some off him. He said, why don't you import them? And I said, because I don't want anyone to know what they are. Yep. And he said, well, they, they'll find out. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. And I thought about it a bit and a few months went past. So I asked a few other companies, oh, would you help me import these things? Because I had no idea. Like I was never heard of importing anything or I was just frigging, you know, a fisherman really. Yep. And um, so – Everybody just went, nah, bad idea. Everyone's tried um, Japanese laws. They don't work. They're no good. They're too expensive. They're not for Australia. They don't catch fish any better than our stuff and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, you blacks, you just don't know, you know, that, how good these things are. And one company sort of went, oh, yeah, come into Brisbane and have a meeting. And then, you know, in a week or, or something, we had we did have an appointment or something like that in a week or two weeks or something like that. And in that meantime, I just thought, no, you know what? I might just chuck – I can't remember how much it was, but I just opened a, an account at the bank for – I think it was like two grand or put in there, and I thought if, if I lose that, worst-case scenario, I've got two grand's worth of laws and I'm going to win comps with anyway. Yep, yep. So I did that, bought a couple of grand's worth of laws or whatever it was and and um, got them back, sold them within a few days, um, messaged him again and said, oh, can I get some more? And, and of course, they – I was just buying out of their stock. So whatever colors they had, I had to take. And they were just one model. So it started like that. And then, so, and I wasn't game to get a loan or anything like that. So if I sold, if I had two grand's worth and sold them and got three grand, then I'd buy three grand's worth. And I just kept building kept on me. Up. Yep. Yep. So I did. So I thought if I ever lose, I don't lose, you know. And that's how I just built it up. And I just built it up to the stage where he said, you need to order bulk so that you can get the colors you want. You know, if you want gold or HL black or you want this or that, you can get that, but you need to buy 200 of each color. And I was like, holy oh, shit, shit, 200 of each, <laughs> 200 of each color. No way. I'll never sell that many. And, and then it just, it got to the stage where I just thought 200 of each color. Yeah, I can sell them. And I was just, and then it just went that the whole thing went crazy. And that was a TN60. That was one lure. And then, you know, then I just multiplied it by bringing in TN50s and TN70s and then, yep. Just went through the range till now. We've got oh shit, I don't know, thirty or forty different models and and all the different lures, and I can get any color I want. And I'm sort of pretty big in the company now, and it's yeah, it's, well, I own the company in Australia, but it's like with Jackal, we're really Close. good friends, and right. and yeah. we've got a really good relationship. So yeah. so that's how my fishing started, really, and and with the tournaments, yeah, that's the ABTs. I think I fished them for. Geez, I don't know, maybe ten years till I got sort of sick of it, and, mm-hmm. and then I just sort of, yeah, just sort of I've had enough. I fished the AFCs. That was like five years. I got sick of that and and pulled out of that. But yeah, you know, I fish the odd comp now. But I'd rather just go fish a yellow belly comp or a cod comp or a bass comp and have a bit of fun. And I'm yeah. and I'm not as competitive as I used to be. You know, yeah, yeah, a bit like sure. me, a bit like hunting. If I go out and 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 see half a dozen deer and don't get a shot, I don't come home disappointed. I don't care that much about it anymore. I, it's the relax. You know, obviously, if there's something – yeah, I, lo- I love catching big fish and and winning a comp, but I, it doesn't kill me if I don't. Yeah, the, relax- Whereas back the relaxing in the day, aspect of it. Yeah, I think that's what it is now. Like, I'm, yeah, I can't be bothered having someone telling me I'm 30 seconds late for the weigh-in or <laughs> – or, you know, give me a hard time about something like that. I just go, oh, yeah, whatever, mate. I don't care. <laughs> Stick your way in. <laughs> yeah, we have a few, had a few stories there. We used to, yeah, I always, always had the reputation of being the last in the water. Like they always reckon they were always waiting on me. And I used, I just to say to the guy that was running, I'd say, 
but start time's six o'clock. And he'd go, yeah, but you get here, you come to the tent at five to six. And I'm like, I've just got to pull my boat up on the bank, get the tag off you. If it's one minute to six and you blow the horn, I go. And he goes, but everyone else is here at half past five in the water. And I'm like, I don't care what they're doing. (laughs) If you want me to start half past five, yeah, good on them. If you want me to start half past five, then tell me half past five and I'll be here at 29 minutes past five. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting me here any earlier. <laughs> Mate, yeah, so anyway. It's funny, man. I Like, I look back. I think I fished the comps. So Russell Barbecue was a, mate of, a good mate of mine. Oh, uh, is he? Yeah, yeah, so me and Russ, we only live 10 minutes apart. Um, and yep. his, his partner, they just had a little little boy and his partner's my wife's hairdresser and all that kind of stuff and so I grew up fishing with Russ playing footy together and Trent Fay if you know Trent if you remember Trent um he uh-huh. would, they used to fish for, they used to fish for Berkeley a fair bit or pure fishing yep and um yep. yeah so they were fishing for them I think it was Belly was it John Bell yeah yeah Belly yep. yeah I know Belly yeah, yeah. so that was back in those days mate that's when I was I think it was probably yeah, 86 so I seven I was fishing them and um, I remember the days, man. I, met, I still remember fishing a comp down Lake Macquarie, and it was the black jackal chubby. It was a black. Oh yeah. It, it couldn't have the orange on it. It was the all black. It was the full black one. Yeah, right. Probably H L Black or Matt Black. I think or something. it was. Yeah, Matt Black maybe. And then I'll tell you what, the bikes that yep. had them, they they caned them. And the oh, you know what? It's like, usually brown sushi shrimp. That's my one, man. I've still got. <laughs> I think I've thrown all mine in the oyster racks, to be honest with you, but I don't think I've got any left. But That's the best. That's a good place for them. You lose plenty and then buy plenty oh, more. Oh, mate, yep. Keeping you in business, mate. Especially when you're 45 <laughs> yep. minutes from Foster, mate. you get, you got nothing but racks. So. Yeah, it used to be a real rack place, didn't it? I oh. remember fishing there a couple of times. I didn't catch too many fish, but you lost get, a few lures in them you're racks. You're away, man. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. Is there any – on a business side of things and, and – I'll ask you this, mate, because obviously the sign of the times with COVID and all this kind of stuff and us personally, you know, starting a new business in Kafara, Australia and things like that. But, you know, is there any advice that you either took or you didn't take or didn't want to give, you know, about someone that's in small business and, you know, is probably trying to make something of it? Oh, man, like I don't I, – I really, I've never done a business course or anything like that, but I think – the important thing for me was that I, I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So, like, I if, if you're in something and, like, you know, I don't know anything about, like, it'd be like if I went into, I don't know, something like, I don't even know what you do, but if, if I went into making hammers or something like that, I, I would I wouldn't know how to balance a hammer or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. I'd be, if someone rings up and goes, oh, you know, why is this hammer better than the other one or, or anything like that, I got no clue and I'm bullshitting my way through, but when it comes to fish and lures or the businesses I'm in, I sort of know what I'm talking about. So if someone from Victoria rings up or, you know, for anyone that's in business, if you know what you're talking about and you're honest about it, that's what I found with with most things. Like if somebody bullshitted to me about something with lures, I'd tell them they were bullshitting. Like I didn't – I probably – like, you know, Smithy reckons I, I upset people, but I'm – I know what I'm talking about. So if they tell me, try and tell me something that's a lie or, or bullshit, I'll tell them. Yeah, like I'm pretty honest quickly. about it. So I just, I, yeah, I just think you just got to be honest. And if you know, like if someone from Victoria says, "Look, I'm fishing Lake Eildon, 
um, what lure do you recommend? I'll, the first thing I'll say is, well, what's the structure like you're fishing around? If it's trees or something like that, I wouldn't go throwing a swim bait in there because you're probably going to get it snagged unless you've got a snag pole or, you know, try and be honest and, and no different to anything else, like just same as bow hunting or anything. If you're honest and say, look, there's all different situations for different lures, um, you're just going to have to work that out. But this is what I would do if the banks are open. Um, if you want to fish deeper, you fish this lure. This is how to rig it. Um, so I know sort of what I'm talking about there because I've been doing it for so long and I try and every, pretty much every law that we bring in, I get samples first, swim them and uh, test them and I pretty much know what they do and where they're good and and I fish for most fish. I, like I don't fish for trout or anything like that or hardly ever brim, but as far as most other fish like freshwater fish, I've caught most of them and I know what, what catches them so I know the scenarios. Yep, so yep. just, I don't know, businesses. Without, without, I suppose, like, you know, I'm not, I, I, I don't know, it's hard to say, but I think if you're in a business and you know what you're on about, you're honest and you, and, um, and you do the right thing, you'll probably end up being successful. I think probably the attitude these days is people want it now. Yeah, fast money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, whereas exactly, when I started exactly what you mean, yeah. Jackal. I didn't care. I didn't. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I didn't want it now. I didn't want to get a hundred thousand dollar loan and make ten, you know, five hundred thousand dollars the first year. I wanted to grow it slow, mm-hmm. so that I knew what I was doing. Like, um, I don't. And I don't know if that'd work in this day and age, but it, it worked for me. But I was probably the first to do it, so Timing. it maybe it was easier, you know. And, and like I said, I'm not a business person. I know. I know if I buy a lure for ten dollars, I need to sell it for fifteen to stay alive. Mm-hmm. But, or and I know which lure I can sell a lot of, and I know what colours work really well, and I know what rattles work really well, and I know what I should use for a barra if I go in, onto a dam with certain dams in Queensland, or or you know if people ask me that sort of thing. But I don't know really anything about business. Like I don't. Mm. My daughter does most of the um, Facebook. You know she she watches stuff on all about Facebook and social media, how to promote things. I take photos or might, might make the video and I might chuck a few things up, but you know, I usually get a kick in the ass for doing some of that too. But, um, you know, she'll go, why'd you put this here? That should be in stories or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I sort of, I don't know. I'm probably the wrong person to ask about business because I, I don't really throw a lot of effort into it. I just, no, I think, um, I think there's a lot to come out, more to come out of it, of what you just said than, you probably give yourself credit for because I think at one it's expectations. It's like when we go hunting. You said it before about bow hunting. You know, if you're going into business yeah, expecting, you know, uh, to blow it yeah. blow it out of the water straight away. Like it's organic growth. I think it's probably lost its. People have lost that a little bit. Like I think organic growth, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays. Um, I can't help but think. You know, you made a comment very early about, you know, shit, I've got six rate lures for 200 bucks. Like, they, yeah. they're expensive lures, still are. Um, I'm sure there's deer or whatever. Like, yep. I, you know, I've seen some of that other stuff and it's like, holy shit. But you still sell them. I still buy them. Um, most guys do because they work yeah. and the knowledge is behind the product. Like, that's the difference. Like, you know, it doesn't well, we have to be cheap to sell. To... Yeah, and that's, I, th- I think that's just same as, like I said, if you were going to import 
you know, say you invented a, a new type of hammer, but it, and you knew it was really good, and you knew it would work, and you knew people wanted it because if you were in that, say you were, you know, for whatever you were a carpenter or whatever, yeah. you knew that this was going to be really good. It wouldn't matter because you knew eventually you're going to sell it to the carpenter down the road there, and he's going to go to work with it, and he's going to be driving nails with this thing, and his mates are going to go, wow, man, where'd you get that hammer? What's that? And, oh, this is X brand. You get them, get them off, mick up the road there, and, and then they're all up at your door, and then when they go, they spread the word, and that's basically how Jackal evolved. It, yeah. if, if, if what you're doing is right and it's good, then people – Yeah, yeah, no question. <laughs> so I think my ear pods have just shit themselves, so I'm talking to you on the yeah, that's right. thing now. Not that I would know, but they're not working anyway. You've gone to Darth Vader now. <laughs> oh. No, <you're> <laughs> yeah, right. How that, big yeah, is, just on a general thing, like how big is Jackal? Like it, it's, you know, I know we've gone down a bit of rabbit hole here, but it, it's fascinating to me because I've seen it, I've watched it grow over the years. But, um, you know, how is it a big company elsewhere in the world? Like is it a dominating like brand? It is now. It's like it's probably the biggest law company in Japan, and like it used to be. I remember the first trade show I ever went to with Jackal was, you know, way back, and you couldn't get in like a mega bash stand. You wouldn't. You'd stand ten deep, and you'd be trying to get to the the counter, which was twenty meters long, and you couldn't get in there. I walked in there and wanted to look at the place, and and the boss of Jackal was with me. Toshi and he said, um, "Oh, do you want to have a look?" And I said, "Oh, can't. you couldn't get in. Like it was like a sardine and the pe- amount of people that were in there." And he said, "No, no, come with me." And he knew the boss of Megabass, so he took me around the back of the counter, and I had a bit of a look. And and Lucky Craft was the same. They had a massive stand, and there was. I remember I was just blown away because I had this massive, big glass wall that was probably ten meters by ten meters, and it was full of lures, and they were all in waves. Oh. And I just stood there looking, like, "Wow!" Like mesmerized. Like I. In Australia at that time, bear in mind there was no there was no such thing as a Japanese law really. Yeah, yeah. There was a few bumps around here and there, a couple of lucky crafts and stuff, but no, nobody was buying them very much. So this it was just mind blowing to me. And and the boss of Jackal said, "Oh, would you like to? Why don't we talk to all these other people? Like you got lucky craft there, and you got you know basically everything that's in Australia now. Why don't you import them as well?" And I was like, "Mate." I want to go hunting and fishing. I ain't got time for that. Like yeah, yeah. all the money in it and, and or do that work. Like I was just on my own. My, my laws were stuck in the spare bedroom and I was running to the post office every day in the back of the ute, you know, awesome. in boxes. Yeah. And, um, and I just went, nah, nah, it's all right. I'm happy with what I'm doing now, you know? And, um, but that's how, that's how it was there then. But now, um, those, those companies have pretty much faded away. Like Lucky Crafts, I don't, I don't think they even had a stand at this year's trade oh, really? show in in uh, Japan because see, they were big in America, but I'm not sure they're that big there anymore. Either Japanese laws are not that big in America, really. Like they Jackal's got a bit of a holding there, but okay. not, you know. But in, in saying that, a small don't forget a massive holding. <laughs> Yeah, there's 500,000 shops in America where there's a 1,000 in Australia, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like, very nice. You know, so they're probably still selling a lot of lures, but if you go into a tackle shop in America and look for Japanese lures, it's 
you know, the Japanese stuff's probably a metre by a metre big. Yep. And everything else is soft plastics, all American vibes and all sorts of other stuff. Whereas, like, in Australia now, the Japanese lures probably rule the, you know, them or, their, or all the copies of them rule the walls altogether. Mm. How, so, how has that been for you? Oh, mate, I just, you know, <laughs> I always I always say to people, if, 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 if I go to the doctor tomorrow and he gives me six months to live and he says you're definitely dead in six months, I'll probably start shooting people. But, you know, that's just a joke. But um, <laughs> it's just... It just goes to show the, the lengths people will take to make a dollar. Yeah. In my opinion, like you will to go and blatantly copy something that's you know, and that that's been made popular and, and like I've spent money on advertising and and gone fishing and done all the stuff and made something popular and then they'll just go Thanks Oh, we can just send that We'll send that to China and we'll make that and we'll um, we'll make some money out of that. And like there's companies, you know, I'm not going to name them here because, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll probably get hate mail. But um, there's companies, that's all they do. Yeah. They, they have never designed. If you if I could, I could name a dozen companies and say, who are your law designers? They don't have them. Mm. And that's what I spoke to a oh, – I actually spoke to a solicitor that's involved in that sort of stuff a while back about a company and and he said it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise you to know that lots of big companies in the world now are cutting their R and D because yeah. they design stuff. Not not law company. He wasn't yeah, talking no, about no, law no. company. You know, like you know, could, I could suppose anything, you know, like iPhone or anyone, because it's not worth it because they get they bring something out, and within twelve months, the Chinese have copied it, mm-hmm. and they put it they put it at a market like you can go to a trade show in China, and oh, there's an iPhone. Oh well, I'll import them into Australia and sell them for fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, fifth of the price, so, or whatever it is. And it ha- it, bow hunting's the same. Yep. You know how many, how many how many broadhead copies do you see around now? You see a broadhead, and you think, geez, that's just you know. I mean, a broadhead's a you know little thing that cuts cuts a hole in something, so it's probably you know, you don't have to change it much and it's not a copy, but some are just blatant, you know. Yeah, so yeah, it's it. exactly – I used to really stress out and used to piss me off and, you know, I'd abuse people and all that shit, but now I just, you know, ignore them and hate them and get on with it. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said. <laughs> what um, – yeah. moving on for a bit from, from fishing and I think that's – I think there's a lot to take you out of that, to be honest with you. And it'll, uh, yeah, I think, I don't mean personally, I will. So, um, but when it, you know, coming back to, say again. The moving on and just hating them. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, um, <laughs> no, shit, you could, uh, you could put that in a lot of aspects of life. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to hunting, man, you know, what, what's, um, yeah, because we, we're getting up, we're already an hour and a half, man, but it's enjoyable. Um, what's a hunt? I haven't even. Hey, I haven't even had a beer. What are you doing? I've already had one. Oh, you've had more than one. I can see the cans stacked up oh, around you. Dutch. Can't say that. Okay, I'm walking. Sorry. I'm walking. What's I've got to walk. Oh, I've got to beer. I'm getting dry. Right. Yeah, look at that. Oh, filthy. He's walk. So Harry's walking around his house now, showing off his trophies, like. 
He says he's getting I'm, a beer, but he, he's been on the wall. Yeah, there's some cryback venison in there. Oh. Yes. Sorry, guys. I get, oh, I get the video too, or you just get the audio. Oh, there's him. Oh, yeah. How about that one? Oh, full mount chittle. Stop it. Yeah. I think your I think actually your bull elk might be bigger than mine. That's a um that's a rosy and a, a rocky. Yeah, see one up. Yeah. I don't have a rosy. I have to fix oh, yeah, they're pretty What are you doing? They're a bit you? different, actually. They're aggressive. They're a bit different, huh? Oh yeah, they're pretty similar. they I think it's more the country that you you're never very far from them when you yeah, gotcha. when you're talking to them. Like, oh well, like like I suppose you do get in some situations, but a lot of the places where they live, oh, you know, like a long shot might be 10 yards. Yeah, it's just thick shit. Oh, just crap. Like uh, the mate of mine where I stay a lot when I go over there, he's got rosies on his place and some pretty good ones. And he, But he's got a bit of cattle country in it, so they do yeah. come out on in the open. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you do see them. You do see them there and you'll see them from – you know, 400 yards away sometimes so you can – and they're on blackberries and shit like that. So you do see – you do see them out in the open, but then they usually bed back in that high mountain pine thick, you know, where, you know, if you do call them in in there, you, your shots could be anywhere from five yards to, you know, probably 20 or 30 is a long shot. Yeah, the best, yeah. You know, stuff. But it's beautiful country, that, that high mountain pine. Sort of like where he is, it's, it's sort of coastal, so it's a bit – like a rainforest pine, like okay. some of the pine trees meters through the middle of them and, and like as far as you can look up, you can, Shit. you know, you're looking up quite a see them, like real yeah. big, real big pine country on that Oregon coast it is. Yeah. But they're like, they're, they're not, they're way bigger in the body than a Rocky, but the, they don't, they generally don't have as big antlers. Yeah. 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 So 300, like inch, a, 300 inch rosies are fucking big rosies. That's a big one, yeah. That yeah. one, that one there is probably two eighty or something like yeah, that. So Six point, but he, he, he's a nice one. There's, I've seen on on my mate's place. I've seen three hundreds there and and good, like they were good six points. But mm. I just haven't been able. You know, I've been within range of them, and like I said before, I've had shots where I could have taken a thirty-five yard shot at a not quite broadside ball and just went, nah, I'm not doing that to a Rosie because I don't want to look for him for two days. You know, yeah, and a tough bastard too. What's yeah. a um? They're not. I think elk are that tough. I don't. I don't know. They, they don't. <clears throat> they're like I, anything. If you shoot them in the wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they just can cover some country. The big bastards. I think oh. that's. They've got a lot of blood. They've got a big area to pump out, sort of thing. But what um? I'll make this an Australian, and then I'll go to the states one. But what's your standout hunt? We spoke about a pretty good chittle hunt right at the start. But what's a standout hunt that sticks with you? Um, it can be of all time or recent, but you know, one in Australia could be any species. But once one that you know really sort of holds something with you. Oh, I don't. I don't know. It could be. Um, the, it could be the company you're with. Doesn't have to be necessarily the actual animal, but yeah. Well, I think I think the first big fallow buck I shot was probably um, that fallow buck on the wall there, like because I didn't know much about Fallow and I'd I'd seen him myself and sort of knew where he was and then um, I said to Brad, why don't you come up with a camera and have a look. There's a pretty good buck here and he come up and and then 
we chased him one morning. We seen him one morning and we – no, the other way around. Oh, yeah, and then in the afternoon we got on him and and uh, he ended up calling him in for me and I shot him. But I think, of course, he was such a good buck and the sit, the way the situation was and we got it all on film, it sort of stands out. I always remember it and he's on the wall. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, I mean he's probably – and he's probably – he's the best fellow I've ever shot. So, you know, that stands out as well. But I don't know. I just – you know – like I was saying before, like reds coming in at you, roaring at you know, and you've got a red at ten yards roaring. Sometimes you don't even shoot them, and it still stands out to you, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I really, I really like, and I'm like everybody. I like shooting when I go up north a bit, um, shooting hogs. Like nothing gets your adrenaline going like a, you know, eighty kilo boar standing in front of you, and you and you punch him in the shoulder pad with an arrow. You know, like it's. It's just like it's like shooting a brick wall. Yeah, you, you know, got, you know, you never. Just, you've got me. You know, you've got it, me at heart, there, mate. <laughs> yeah, like, like them big. I haven't shot very many big mountain boars, but the ones I shoot, I know. Man, my heart's pumping when I'm twenty yards off a big boar, and I know, like we know, he's not going to turn around and charge you. It's just that they they've just got something about them. Yeah, they that, do. Yeah, they just. Yeah, you get, you get into a mob of fighting hogs. I've said this ten thousand times. People are sick of it, but you get into yeah a mob of fighting boars, like two or three boars over a sow, and they're just yeah. screaming and getting thrown, tossed, and then you go smack one yeah. again, and and they're just yeah. like it just erupts, like it's big. Yeah, and half the time, half the time you smack one, and they don't know what happened. They just keep no, chasing. they just think they're getting belted by the other one. Yeah, and like I said, I haven't shot a lot of them big ones, but. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's and I, and I I really like shooting scrub bulls. Yeah, just because they're big and I think because they're stupid, so they like, you can stalk into real close and punch that arrow right through them. And there's always that element of what's he going to do in that I, arrow? Am I going here or not? <laughs> yeah. I remember having a Mexican standoff. I was up, oh, going back years ago now, but same thing. Come across like a real big red bull, beautiful skin. I wish wish this day that I should have mounted the thing, but I didn't. But um. I think I got in. I was behind a term, termite mound. Actually, Rob Donnelly was with me. Uh, oh, yeah. I think Rob from Casino. But he, um, he's like, you got this thing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, be right. And uh, yeah, got behind a termite mound. This thing's just feeding away 20 yards. And I smack this thing and it just does nothing. Yeah, just stand it there. It doesn't move, flinch, nothing. It literally just puts its head up slowly and then just turns straight at me. <laughs> and I'm just thinking... Fuck, I'm gone here. Anyway, yeah, and then I'm like, the whole heart starts like pumping. I swear he could hear me heart starting to come, like, because I'm pretty calm until I shoot. But once I shoot, I'm gone. Like, don't ask me to shoot again. Like, I'm done. And Rob's just like, don't move. He's watching you. I'm like, I'm not freaking moving. I know he's watching me. I could see the big bastard. He was just glaring me down. And it must, it felt like ten minutes, but I reckon it was probably (laughs) ten seconds. 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute maybe. And, and, literally, and then he literally just went to take one step and just goes bang, just like yeah. absolute dead on his feet. Yeah. And like, I was just like, shit. And it was just his presence was enough to get you going, you know what I mean? It was like, am I going to, am I going here? Like, I've got nowhere to run. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you think. Yeah. That's what that's it, a thing about bulls. What it did, it took off one tube at the top of the heart. Oh yeah, so he just pumped out. So yeah, so all it was was filling him up. There was no, you couldn't. I was a two blade. You could not see his cut. 
You yep. couldn't. There was no blood coming outside or anything. Just off that big, leather, that real thick, leathery sort of yeah. skin on yeah. one of the big red skins. And yeah, yep. Jesus. As soon as that hole covers over, there's no blood pumping out. Nah, from the moment. And the fact that he didn't flinch or nothing, like didn't even move. Yeah, he wouldn't have so, felt it. Rob's like, did you even hit it? Like, I'm like, yeah, man, I've smoked that thing. Like, yeah. I, you could call it smoke, but like, you kind of either should have been high lung or heart, like one or the other, but not smacking that thing in the middle there. But it got him. But yeah, yeah. it's him. It's that element of what's going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few pretty good films. I mean, I know one I watch all the time, Smitty and you in Idaho chasing them bulls. And geez, you've seen some crackers there too. That there's one real big bastard. And Yeah, that's a good ranch we're on there. Oh. Yep. We went, we went over there. We went over there cold turkey. We never had guides or anything like that. And we... I'd been over there the year before and had a bit of a look around and lined up to go on this on this ranch, and um, we we just you know practiced bugling in the house before we went and had a cow call and had a <laughs> had a hoochie mama, and like we were so I don't know awe inspired by the whole situation that the first day out we actually snacked up on this knob and we're looking around and I was like, there's an elk right there, look. And him and Angie are going, where, where? And I'm like, over there. And and they go, oh, yeah, and we're sitting there looking at them and then we're looking through the knockies and we're going, oh, no, it's a mule deer. Like, it's only, it was only 200 yards away. <laughs> but it was a big mule deer buck. We yeah. could shot it. But, we like, we the wind wasn't right, so we, we didn't even try. But that's how, that's how pumped up we were that oh. first time we went. And we, we walked around for, I, don't, I think, because we knew nothing about them. So... We walked around looking for bulls for days and we'd see one and we seen one and we thought, ah, oh, I swear he walked into that little patch of scrub way up there on the side of that hill. But the, no, they wouldn't bet in there because it's only like as big as a house. And yeah, no, no, he must have just kept going and he's gone way over in that canyon the other side. So we were seeing all this stuff, yeah. but nothing, you know, like. Wasn't ticking. Wasn't ticking. And then. So one day we're sitting on the side of this canyon and I, I see this bull. Smitty was way down and I'm sitting there and I'm like, got on the two-way and I said, hey, I just reckon I'd just seen a pretty good shooter bull. He was on the bow this day and he's walked into a – no, shit. He walked into the, on the side of this canyon, patch of scrub about as big as a house, if that, half the size of a house, yeah. like just a little round patch of scrub. Brad come up and he said, can't, can't see him. Oh, he, like, he was a kilometre away, across, way across this canyon. And we're like, surely not. And this was sun up in the morning. And um, anyway, so I think he shot him at 2 o'clock. We went way around the other side of the canyon, come in on top of him, got to the patch of the scrub, and Brad's looking in his patch of scrub, and he's like, he's not there. And we're all like, oh, he's gone. And he's, we're sort of having a little conversation. He looks back over and goes, oh, no, he's there. He was laying down asleep in this little tiny patch of scrub on his own. And that's that big one he's got on the wall, that big seven. Oh, seven. yeah, he's big. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've seen it. That's a good mount yep. too. That was our second second year there, but that's we worked out that they would just bed anywhere. Like they would be just walking along the side of a hill and if you were watching them and they'd just go into a little patch of scrub like that and they'd sleep there for the rest of the day. That's where they were. But the ranch we were hunting, was there was no trees as such there. Like there was no pine trees. I think it was 12,000 acres and there was hardly a tree on the place. It's all high plains. Uh-huh. So in the in the gullies, in the creeks, there's like willows and then the odd real tiny little patch of willows 
or something like that in amongst the desert around the place. Mm-hmm. And they would just walk into these things and you would look at it and think, nah, be nothing in there. And if you didn't glass it real hard, look for an antler moving in there or anything like that, you wouldn't have a clue and six elk could walk out of there in the afternoon. Yeah, that's and insane, isn't it? See how size of your lounge room. Yeah, and they're, I know it's hard because we harp on this, but they are big, like they're big animals. Like for them to yeah. disappear like they do, it's insane. Do. Yeah, so we, we did that and we we called at the wrong times and, you know, we did all that sort of stuff, but we just learnt on our feet. We were there for three weeks and we we shot bulls. We all shot bulls every time we went there. But, you know, the locals were, they were saying, we'd got, we'd had dinner in town every night and we got to know people and they'd say, oh, just don't worry about them herd bulls. Like, you're never going to shoot a herd bull. Nobody shoots herd bulls around here. You, yeah. You've just got to shoot, take a little five point or anything. And we're like, nah, we're not shooting no five points. <laughs> not when we know those big bastards, really. <laughs> We'd seen all the videos where Will Primos shoots all them big bulls. We're going to shoot them. Yeah. So we, we walked past it, shit, and busted, busted animals, and but we ended up, um, yeah, we ended up getting some good bulls. We all shot sixes, and and we just learnt, and they're no different. They're just animals. They're no different yeah. to if you can hunt red deer or fallow deer or anything like that, you can hunt an elk. It's yeah. you just got to learn their habits and when to call them, and they're just the same as every other animal. You just learn on your feet. And that's what I reckon. I, I think for anyone going, I've said this before, it's not the animal itself; it's the country. It's the country yeah. that's big like it's huge you yeah. know i sort of say to someone like think of a mountain range in australia here somewhere and that's kind of like you know a small route range in the upper hunter valley or something like that yeah like that's your unit that's not yeah. just you know what i mean like yep yeah that's that's the thing and the elk if you bust them they will go to the other end of it yeah they'll they'll go 10 miles yeah Without, and that's, you know, going back to that wind thing earlier on, elk and red deer are probably very similar. You know, they're obviously they're whoppity, but, you know, they they don't muck around. They get a whiff of you, you're gone. Like, you're not going to see that bull. Well, we, we got on a place in, in Idaho near this other place, and the guy said, come come over here and shoot a bull if you want to because they're coming in on me. They call it alfalfa. So they're coming in on his loosened paddy and – so we went over there and we're driving along daylight and my mate, mate said, oh, he pulls up, he stops in the middle of the road and he goes, oh, this is where they're crossing. And I'm like, where? And he said, look, on, in the middle of the road here. And it was like, you know how the, if you've got a dairy over here and your cat, dairy cattle walk across the road mm-hmm. and they leave this big, massive big six inches of mud, yeah. that's how many elk were coming down off the mountain. Oh. And this bloke had about – uh, he probably had 30 or 40 acres of loosen and they wiped it out in one night. Holy shit. There was about 200 elk coming to his loosen. Wow. So, when, so then he, he gets a depredation tags and yep. he, or whatever they call them. Depredation, and, yep. Yep. So he called the fish and game and they come and said, oh, yeah, we'll give you two tags. And he's like, there's 200 elk. Mm-hmm. And they went, That's all we're giving you. And, and then they pay him. He works out how much his all his loosen was worth, his hay, and they pay him for that. Yep. Yep. So, so they paid him for it, but he wasn't allowed to shoot. He said, I'd like to shoot the whole herd, and but he said they'll put me in jail. Yeah. But we we followed. Yeah. yeah. Shoot one over your tag allocation and you're in jail. Well, we followed. We, we hunted his place. He only had a couple of thousand acres, and we couldn't catch them. They were leaving, they were leaving before daylight, 
and they were going up over his mountain and then down the other side there was a massive big valley which was an elk reserve uh-huh. and we could sit on top of the mountain and look at 200 elk but they were not, and they were just bugling and fighting and carrying on. We'd sit there for an hour and not one would be on his. And then late after dark of an afternoon, they'd walk out of there, jump the jump the fence, go down over the mountain, go eat all his loosen, and before dark, uh, before daylight in the morning, they'd be back in there. Okay. That's, how, that's how smart they were. Oh, no question. No yep. question. I mean, it, I've said this before, you know, isn't it amazing when you do get over there talking about the tag and the system and how it works, but the animal comes first. So if anyone to to understand how it all works, the animal's right and protection comes first. That's how they make their decisions. And it then was, I think it might have been who was the the governor or the president of the United States? Was it was it Roosevelt who bought all that stuff in where I think the yeah, Commonwealth own own all animals? Yeah. I think or, you know, maybe it's maybe it's uh, you know, the governor of Yeah, whatever yeah, the the government of, of Oregon actually own all the elk and they own the geese and they own everything. So you pay, like the the landowner, he even doesn't own them. He can't go and shoot them. No, no, he doesn't have any right to them. He gets he gets one. The the ranches where where I hunt, they get one tag. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to shoot a bull for meat, or give that tag. They can give that tag to me, and you can shoot that bull. Where I go, me, uh, the guy's son shoots a bull every year, so they shoot a bull and eat it. That's what that's what they're allowed. One bull. There might be a hundred elk or two hundred elk or a thousand elk on their place. They can only shoot one. Yeah, and that the to give people an idea. So that ranch might be in a particular unit, and Harry might go and buy the tag if it's over the counter, or draw that tag, mm. and still be able to hunt that ranch with permission. But the ranch itself only gets one tag. Yep. To look at, like to sort the elk out, if that makes sense. So. Um, it's a well, pre- it's a pretty good system. I mean, because where like we, you walk down, like you know yourself, if it was here, you see five red red deer on a on a crop. They're not there tomorrow. Nah, they all get shot. You go down there and you see two hundred elk. You'll see the thing, same things there again tomorrow morning. Like it's yeah. it's in you know, mule deer and pronghorn, and it's insane. Oh yeah, they just I I drive from like from the Oregon coast right across to to Idaho. Through all through eastern eastern Oregon, and it's like all desert, but there's alfalfa paddocks, you know, here and there where they've got water and all that sort of stuff. And there's pronghorn, there's mule deer, there's friggin' you see all sorts of stuff. And you go through the big mountain gorges and all that, and you think, man, there's going to be sheep up in here, and you know, it's insane. Yeah, it's all that, but they, I suppose, when you think about it, so they're they're equal to our kangaroos because they're an endemic. Or whatever you want to call it, to their country. So yep. it's a bit like if if our government give out tags for kangaroos, so mm-hmm. property owners are really not allowed to shoot kangaroos either. Here they do, and we do to keep them down. But you're supposed to get depredation tags here too. Yep. So they treat them like our koalas and kangaroos. They're making good money out of them. So you want to shoot you want to shoot one, and you haven't got a tag or a license, you're going to jail. Yeah, you're in a lot of trouble. And I mean, you know the the reason we can go and do what we do in the service is because of the money they make, they get to look after them. Like it's, oh, it's sure. a mad system. Like it works freaking unreal. New Zealand's close. Like it, they, they've got a bit of a system in the similar. Australia's of. way, you know, they're way behind the ballpark. You know, we've got so much land that could be hunted and there's, you know, like even like say national parks and, and all that, there'd be no problem with, handing out tags or selling tags to a national park to something like 
I understand rifle shooters because there's always that, you know, and most rifle shooters are pretty good, but there's always that thing where, oh, you know, you could shoot over a hill or you could see something move in the bush and shoot someone walking along, you know, on a push bike or doing whatever. But with a bow hunter, you're not gonna you're not gonna accidentally shoot anyone. Yeah. Like there'd there'd be no problem. You could you could sell tags to national parks, public land, like season it like they do over there. And make money out of it. Yeah. You go down you know, you go down to Victorian high country, like Yeah. You know, like yes, accidents do happen, but man, that's awesome. It's just such an awesome way they can do it. And it's it's a shame they're sort of getting the coals. I mean, I don't know enough about it to comment on it, but it's a shame they're wasting such a resource because, you know, oh, thing, man, it could be done so well down there. Beautiful country to come with it. And in, and in Queensland, they they frigging pay people to go and shoot them and leave them right on the ground. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a food source that's regarded around the world as probably the best quality meat you can eat. Oh, especially the chittle or axis as they were calling over there. Like that stuff is ridiculous. Oh, have you, if, you, if you've ever eaten elk or moose oh. – Beautiful, yeah. mate. Yeah, and even elk straight off the bone, mate. Like straight off, straight off. She's still warm, you know. Throw Ooh. it, throw on the fire, man. Oh, Jesus. I thought you were going to eating it raw. Nah, <laughs> I reckon I'd give it a go, but nah, nah. I wouldn't. <laughs> we had, um, I tell you what, we ate in Alaska when we. It's their tradition that when you shoot an um a caribou, yeah, you eat the heart. Yeah, right. That night, and I mate did it up with um, oh, well, I think he did it in breadcrumbs or a bit of flour or something oh, like that. Good. And I was like. I've never really eaten heart, but it looked all right, and it was it was frigging nice. Real good. I heard moose. I heard moose is ridiculous. Moose is nice, yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to eat a lot of mine. I only had a couple of steaks because I shot him on the pretty much the last day I was there and got back, and and then they carted him back to town. And we had a little bit of him, but all the rest of it was hanging in the chiller, and they kept all, like the guides keep all the meat. So. Yep. But yeah, they 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 rave about it. Like I really like the caribou. We ate a lot of it, and they said, "Ah, oh, moose is twice as good," you know. Yeah. And the bit I had was good. So, yeah. Did that? But, does that hunt stand above the rest purely because of the country, or if it does stand above, but the country was insane, or yeah, yeah, like just the whole, just the whole experience, like the flying into across the tundra mm-hmm. over all the lakes and. Um, seeing the caribou walking through the snow and and just landed on a lake lake in a float plane and you know and just basically walking up the bank and say where are we camping because there was <clears throat> there was nothing like what you would call flat and nothing like the ground here in Australia like yeah. you had to basically pitch your tent over me and Brad were sleeping in the same tent worse luck and um oh, no. Who, who's worse luck <laughs> oh, mate he can snore on his guts <laughs> how good is he <laughs> he reckon. He never snores any other time. I kicked him out in the end. I know he's way bigger than me, but I had to. I ended up, I had to, I ended up saying to him one day, he's like, geez, you're a bit doughy. And I'm like, mate, I haven't slept for five nights. I'd <laughs> 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 uh, make, make him stay out. I, I'd say, I'm going to bed, stay there. You Because he'd be out, you know, filming the lights and all this sort of thing. And and I'd get in there and try and get to sleep. And he just ro- he was just roaring. And he, reckon, he reckons, no, it was just a ton. It must have been the cold air or the tundra. I've been throwing things at him. And anyway, in the end, he said, mate, you got to go. So he ended up, he slept in the, he slept in the mess tank. With the, with, so. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, but no, nah, that hunt was, um, yeah, it's just something you never, 
you never <clears throat> it's like because you, you've never been in that country before you've never been on that sort of ground you've never been like in that temperature i've seen the sun like the sun never rose any more than you know like six foot above the horizon and just oh, trying to trying to guess what time it was in the day like you'd yes. go or oh, should we be going back and the guy would say mate it's for four hours before it gets dark oh, but the sun, <laughs> the sun was just above the horizon yeah so it'd go around you you know yeah was it wasn't coming over top at all it was going doing yeah no if you had a damp shirt and it was bright and sunny like most days we were there but there was no power in the sun at all. Yep. It might be, you know, eight degrees all day. Um, it'd take you two days to get your shirt dry. That's insane. The only way you could get your socks dry was to wear them to bed. And yeah, put them in the bottom of your sleeping bag, yeah. Yeah, and then they'd be dry in the morning. You'd be sweaty. They, the, the water would come out of them and go through your sleeping bag. Yep. Um, yeah, just the country, the animals. Like, we would have seen, I don't know how many thousand caribou walk past our camp. Like, Shit. like when we first got there, we were setting up camp and I could hear this noise. And I said to the, <clears throat> the guide, what's, what's the noise I can hear? Is there a river running? And he goes, no, no, it's caribou. I mean, what do you mean it's caribou? And I said, he said, walk over there. And I'm, I sort of, sort of got up on a bit of a knob and I'm looking and I could see antlers. And I thought, what the, what's going on? So he says, yeah, just take, we'll, we'll set up camp. Is it right? You take, you and Brad go over there. We walk over and it's just, just lines and lines and lines of caribou walking past camp. Like they were probably, you know, three, 400 yards in this bit of a big depression walking the edge of the, the lake. Yep. And they're just, they're just walking through this water. And that's what I could hear just thousands of caribou just walking. Oh, that is insane. That's an endless trail. Pretty much. And you wouldn't believe it. So, that was all that we couldn't shoot that day. So we got in there, I don't know, might have been lunchtime or something. So we just basically setting up camp, mucking around. We weren't allowed to hunt anyway. So shoot the bow, muck around. This is going on the whole time, all night. That's all you could hear. Boo, boo, caribou walking, the water moving. We're thinking we're smashing them tomorrow. Get up in the morning. Let's go. Get over there. I don't know that we seen one caribou the next day. <laughs> we <laughs> they just up- come in flows, do they? Yeah, so we set up this thing and, and, and the guide said that. He was with us and he said, they come and go. Like, they're always going to come this way, he said, but we might not see them for two days. And yeah. we we did. We seen we ended up with seen, we seen some that day and I think the next day there was a few more, but nothing. There was a few good bulls, but we couldn't get in front of them. And then I think that was the day we called our first moose in. I was standing there and I thought, you know, like I'd only watch videos or whatever. I didn't know what a moose was did or anything like that and I heard this noise I said to the guy I reckon I just heard a moose gluck and he went no 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 you wouldn't have and Brad just looked at me funny like what the, what are you talking about you know <laughs> you're on drugs you you're in another country <laughs> and, and I went ah, I reckon I did so I I just was mucking around like, there's no there's nothing around you can see for miles and there was no animals around so I sort of give a roar like that and then next minute this thing 500 yards down the the tundra goes more like that. And the guide went, that is a moose. Anyway, it was nearly, it was getting towards dark. And he goes, oh, it's not moose season yet anyway, so you can't shoot him. And I'm like, and I'm looking at Brad going, yeah, but we want to see him. Yeah, yeah, we want, we want to witness this. <laughs> and I'll we'll go back to camp and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll go and have dinner and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, oh, we're going to go, you mind if we go this way? <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you want to have a look at that moose? And we're like, yep. And he said, yeah, away you go. So 
we take off down there and he goes back to camp and we get down and we spotted him. We got in about oh, probably 100 yards off him and I said to Smithy, I'm going to – let's see what he does. And Brad's like, oh, what are they – you know, we knew nothing about him. Yeah. Sort of. So I gluck at him and we're standing behind this pine tree and I gluck at him and he looks and he starts swaying his head and he comes walking over and he's getting oh, like to, he's getting to that stage where – you know, because I've seen them on YouTube and that where they, if they're silly enough, they sort of go for you or something. Yeah. And he gets into about, oh, I don't know, but maybe 30 or yards or a bit less and, and Brad's like, I don't know that we want to be here. We're not allowed to shoot him. We've got no – we didn't – I don't think we – oh, we might have had the 44 on us. And he said we sort of don't want to get in a situation here where something's going to happen. So we filmed <laughs> him a bit and we sort of got out and went, oi, what are you doing? And talked to him and, and he just – he didn't do much. He just sort of turned around and he might have walked away. I can't remember now. But anyway, we ended up walking the other way. And But it was we just wanted to see one. Oh, that's unreal. I think it was two days or something or three days before moose season actually opened. So that's we couldn't unreal. couldn't have shot him. He was only a – he wouldn't have been legal anyway. He was probably – I, I think he had to be over 50 inches wide and he wasn't that big. But he was still a moose to us. Oh, mate. And body-wise. We've we seen, we seen some monster moose, man. Yeah. Those Yukon moose. When you like the first the first big one I seen in the flesh that we called out and he stood in the open, I just sort of thought, man, I don't know if I got enough bow and arrow here. <laughs> <laughs> like a, they're just that big. Think of a draft horse, like a massive, big, muscly draft horse. Yeah. Like you know, you have like obviously you know you can shoot a you can shoot a buffalo with a seventy yeah. pound bow, but just to be able to get that feeling as if. Like you're that confident with your gear, and yeah. then you're just like, "Yeah, shit." <laughs> Have I got enough bow and arrow here? <laughs> yeah. Would you go back and do the bear? Um, or yeah, do the, whole, or do the whole thing again. Well, I think if you were going to go, you'd do the whole thing again. Yep. But the thing is with the thing is with the bear because it's a spring bear hunt, and the bears have just come out, um, and it's on the river. Charlie just said, "Look, you will you will shoot a grizzly." Like if you come and do that, but it's 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 the same price as going there and shooting the a bear and them. The, the three basically. Like it's fifteen grand US, yeah, plus your tag and license and all that. So <clears throat> I said to him, I said, no, nah, I I don't think I would fly all the way back there just to shoot a bear. Yeah, I'm probably with you. I couldn't do that. Like as much as I would love to have shot a grizzly, I don't know that I would, you know pay that money i think i'd rather do take a chance go in go in september and and knock it you're probably like you're probably 100 percent going to shoot a caribou and you're probably 90 percent going to shoot a, a moose in this spot there's that many there you know yeah yeah with um as we sort of start wrapping this up and and you know you drop dropped a price tag of 15 which in all honesty you know it sounds a lot of money but when give us an idea of the logistics involved Oh. Something like this, because that'll sort of help people understand why it costs so much money. Yeah, well, those those that's just the sort of trip is like. Well, for example, we got there a couple of days um, earlier than we were supposed to go in because the, you know he obviously said just get here and then they've got to wait for a window. So there's two planes take you in because you've got to have all your camping gear, your food for basically. They, they do another food. They did two food drops for us. But it's 300 miles Fuck. by plane. So um, 
and it's somewhere you just well you probably get there by boat if you had enough if you could actually carry enough fuel to get there up up the rivers I suppose but it's it's right it's not far from the Canadian Alaskan border and you're in the Yukon and it's the logistics are just if a plane if the plane can't get in to get you you're dead yeah that's logistics like you're not you're not going to walk out of there you're never going to survive I wouldn't think you you know you might but you might have to uh, be Charlie yeah yeah he probably would but it's just that that's the logistics of it like um everything's got to get flown in so that's you know, plane flights, fuel, um, and they're obviously their running costs of planes because you can't get in there any other way. Um, yeah, and that's that's the expense of it. That's what they'll tell you. Like it's, yeah. you know, if they're in there for eight or ten days with your guiding, if if they could drive there, they, it'd, it'd probably be five grand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, it'd be a thousand dollars a day, just like an elk hunt or something like that. And the quadru, you know, the the quadruple handling everything, like. Like your moose, so you've shot a caribou and a moose. Like they've still got to deal with that. Well, they don't. They don't. Well, no. And but this guy didn't because I got it a little bit cheaper because he said, "Oh, okay. So you want a, the moose caked out?" Yeah, I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want him caked out." And he said, "Oh, that's an extra of this." And um, oh, you're going to cape the caribou? Yeah, well, for us to do that, blah blah blah. And I just said, "No, no, no. We'll we'll do all that." Yep. I said, I don't. I, I want to do that anyway because that's part of the hunt as far as I'm concerned. So I did all my caping and, you know, obviously me and Brad, we cape a caribou in frigging five minutes. But um, the moose obviously took a bit longer, but I did most of that myself anyway. He he jumped in the in the um, the rubber ducky and paddled back across to get the other guide across the lake and, and I started on the on the moose and um, I had half him done when they got back anyway. So And then I cleaned all that cape up and did the ears and the lips and all that. So... They didn't charge me to do any of that because they didn't really do it. But that's all extra charges, like okay. with, yep. with a lot of outfitters. Well, a lot of them, I suppose. Most guys going up don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's right, and they put that into the into the cost. But that's what I said to him. No, I don't. I don't want that done. So that took all that out of the cost for me. Did they? Off, I, did they offset anything with the meat? No, nah, not really. You can take you if. If I could have bought the meat back, I could have, but yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. Yep. Just so said, you, you can have all the meat. Okay, they weren't too fussed about it. No, nah, see, they had to fly all the meat out anyway. They That was, you know, like a moose's. Yeah, that's oh. kind of where I was getting at logistically. Like, you know, they've got to get you out. That's a trip, a moose. Yeah, a moose is just a trip on itself. That's a, you know, 1,000 pounds, 500 kilos of meat or something, you know. I don't know how, what they weigh once you take it all off the bone, but um, – there's all that logistics and it's, you know, and now it's, uh, I think for that, that caribou moose hunt is about 20 US. Yep. So demand that pushing it up with the dollar, the way it is now, that's 30 grand. Hmm. And then you, and then you got flights. So, you know, it's like probably a $35,000 trip, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you, you got to factor in like you might have to stay in a motel for, a few days here and there, and um, so there's all sorts. Were you Anchorage Fairbanks? No, no, we just flew. We flew um, LA Fairbanks. Okay, straight through. Yep. yep. But I think, I think, yeah, you can fly. We could have flown to Anchorage and then Fairbanks, but I don't know that you wouldn't worry about it if you can get direct. No, we had to go to LA first. Yep. We went Brisbane, LA, and then LA 
to Fairbanks. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because when even just Anchorage, LA, there's only I think one flight that does LA Anchorage. Like it, they all stop at Seattle. Oh yeah, right. But yeah. I think you can fly. I think you can fly direct from Australia to Alaska, or you could before all this shit went on. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, there may be one. You can definitely do Hawaii then then Anchorage. Oh um, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's you a do, uh, you can do here to Vancouver, and then Vancouver. Yeah, and, but I think oh, I don't know. Anyway, customs and everything, so you might as well. Yeah, it's all, all oh, it's, yeah, it's, but it's that's good once you're doing a few times. It's fine. That's the logistics of the whole thing. Like it's just logistically. I was and I, look, I got back from that after doing. I think 12 days up there. Brad left a bit early because he had to meet some. Did he have to meet you? Or yeah. He met someone. Yeah, in, no, he came down to us in New Mexico. Yep, that's right. So he came Jer- down there. Jerry had a tag, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So he went down there and so he left. He left the day I flew to the other lake because we hadn't shot a moose. That's so right, yep. I flew to a different lake and shot the moose the next day. Mm-hmm. And then we flew back. And so that was 12 days without a shower because the, the water was was literally that cold. Like Brad went and had a wash one day and I said, do you have a wash in the river? And he, and he said, yeah, yeah. He said, what was it like? And he said, oh, yeah, it was all right. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, Brad. Have, he does. <laughs> no, I reckon. And I said, and I felt that dirty. Like that had been maybe seven days without a shower and I was like, yeah, I'm going too. And when I walked past, I had to walk past the two guys that were in camp, walked down towards the river and they said, where are you going? I said, and of course, you've got to have the 44 with you. So I had the 44. Where are you going? I said, yeah, I'm just going down to have a bath. And they looked at me and went, really? And I went, I'm going to give it a go because it was cold, you know. Yeah. And I got, <laughs> I don't think I got quite to the jewels. I got to about <laughs> just above my knees and my feet, my legs felt like they were going to just break off. It was that cold. Like, oh, and I, shit. I got out and I think I washed my face and I just went, no, nah, and I walked back. Brad said, geez, you were quick. I said, oh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm chewing on my jewels as soon as I stepped in there. <laughs> when, I got, when I got back to Fairbanks, I stayed in the guide's house with him and I reckon I, I, reckon I had a two-hour shower. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like the, the, the dirt was just running off. Oh. Like it, was just, it was filth. Well, you know, it's like you camp up there in yeah. wherever you're going. You're up for days, like, in the, and the dirt just, like, I know in Idaho and all that, because it's so deserty, the dirt, you don't feel dirty because it's dry mm. up in the high mountains, but it's, um, the dirt just, and it just sticks to you. You're dirty, but you don't feel dirty. But when you have a shower, the dirt just runs, runs off, off you. Off you. Yeah. I remember last year doing Nevada, I think we went, like, well, nine days, I think, before we went to town for a yeah. shower. And it was hot too, like it was ninety five, like sweating all all day, and then you cool down and had to watch the old ass chafe, man, because you're getting <laughs> hot and cold, hot and cold, Ugh. dangerous. Uh, but, yeah. Are you gonna try and get over there this year? Oh, I don't think, can it I don't, all together. No, I don't think anyone will be going this year. I don't think they'll. Be, they'll uh, be, I don't I, know if they'll be running international flights by then, will they? I don't know, mate. Like I. Because I've, I've got that goat hunt again, and oh, have you? Yeah, and I, I spoke to the outfitter on that yesterday, and they're like, "Yeah, it's all all go ahead from here." Like, you know, plan that you're going. And I'm like, I uh, just don't think we're going to be able to fly. I just, I don't, I can't see them opening it up. And even if they do, are they going to have enough people flying to 
fly you there when you want to go and when you want to come back. That's as well. See, they might only fly one. They might there might be one flight to LA a week or something. Yeah. So I'm going to have to probably just chat to Game and Fish and say, look, here's the scenario, and I'd probably nearly rather do it earlier than later because I don't want to muck anyone around. I'd be, I'd be. I know. I know a guy who had a fishing trip, eight thousand dollars booked in um, Oman, and they won't give him his money back. Shit. <laughs> yeah. They reckon now you rebook, and he's like, "When? Like, yeah. Who who knows when we're going to be able to travel or where? Well, or really I'm hoping my guys, I'm hoping they just push my permit to next year. Like, I'm hoping they could do something like that. But the, given the way they do it, the only thing I've got up my sleeve is the fact that they count the goat tag, they count the goats every year, and then they allocate fishing. the tags. Oh so, yeah, fishing game. Might do it because of COVID. You you might get away. That's the only reason I'm saying. I'm just going to say, look, the chances of me being able to fly on the 20th of August is, you yeah, know, and, and I don't really want to have to, you know, I don't want to go put your at risk as well, like, you know, coming from Australia, so to speak, and see how it goes, I guess. Where is um, it at? Well, I've got to fly in Anchorage. Oh, you're going up there? Yeah, same one as we did last time, yeah. Oh, righto. Um, yep. Not same spot, but close by. Uh, we're on the mainland, I think, this time. So. Oh, I've seen some video footage off yours too, yeah. Yeah, that looked like a pretty good Oh, it was insane. Wet, what? Say. Was that wet where you yeah. were? Yeah. Ridiculously yeah. wet. Like, everything's wet. <laughs> like it. Yeah. yeah. Like the, that's when you need, when the, that's when wet weather gear is, you know. A rubber rubber yeah. like the if you that's what, you know the yellow stuff that we're on like boats like just get that in black or brown and that's what you wear yeah no yep. it's breathable those, wet weather gear like it's yeah i had i had some wet weather gear in um alaska that didn't cut it yeah yeah, yeah i mean I, and the cool thing is it's kind of where you get to test and learn shit like <laughs> yeah like yeah but you die doing it yeah i mean it gets close but like i remember I remember getting in trouble because we're standing there and I was just, I just threw me down jacket on. Yeah, so I was warm and it starts raining. And the guy just goes, Get your own jacket on. I'm like, Oh, no, I'm right. Like, we'll get going in a sec. I'll rip this off. And he's like, You want to die? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> just yeah. like cut like that. I'm like, Now I'm putting my own jacket on. Eh? <laughs> so there was no, there was no, nah. And he's like, Dude, you, you get cold here, man. I can't warm you up. I can't light a fire. Like Nothing. that's right. That's this on that. We're not. Nah. We're not, we don't die. Like you might die in Kosciuszko or something like that. You know, if you freeze, but you don't. Here, we're not. We look for snakes. That's what kills us. They're scared of snakes over there. Like they die of cold. Yeah. yeah. The guys where we were, they reckon if you fall in the water over there in the winter time, you have. Can't be within, minute, sure. within minutes, wouldn't it? Three minutes, yeah, maybe five minutes. And if you don't get warm or get your clothes off by then, you're dead. Fuck, it's hard to imagine. Like, I never want to imagine it, but like that, that's insane. Well, one of the guides fell in one day fully clothed, and he said he got out really quick and thought, Oh, that was close. But he, he said he was wet, but he was that cold, he didn't, he couldn't feel it. Mm-hmm. And he went, Oh, shit, hold on. I've got to do something. So he ran back to his cabin and by the time he got to the cabin, he said he couldn't get anything undone. 
his clothes were frozen yeah. on him. Okay. Like a, yep. So he got his knife and put it inside his shirt and cut his cut his jacket right open and peeled his clothes off. He said it was just like blocks of clothing that were frozen water. So like inside, you're in a freezer then. Yeah. And he said, and then he lit and lit a fire and stood there in the nude and got warm and then thawed his clothes out and dried them and then he could get back in them and that's the only reason he lived. He said he would have died because he thought, I oh, know I'm all right, I'm not that cold. But he's, he said his whole clothes went to an ice block and it just. Fuck. Yep. And he, so it was, I'm sure it was like five minutes. Yeah, or there wouldn't be much in it. There wouldn't be much in it at all. You got to get your clothes off and get a fire going. Yep. Or you're dead. But that's, you know, it's probably minus 30 or something like that they're talking about. And that's the same as you, you know. I'll be right. You know, like if I go, if I go out the road here and I'm hunting and, and I get a bit wet, I don't care. Like, it's not cold. Yeah. And that was what it was like. And I wasn't, you know, you're not trying to be like a tough guy or anything. I was just like, no, I'm all right. Like, you know, we're going to get walking in a minute. Like, and he's like, but, and then, you know, we sat in the tent because we got sucked in for 48 hours then. So two days we're in the tent. Oh, that'd kill you. Oh, and you soon get to know someone. <laughs> no, for, for a day. Yeah. Oh, great. Turn it, you know, lucky he's a bloody good bloke, buddy. Um, but and that's when he's explained. He's just sort of said, like, mate, but once you're wet, you're wet. You're done. Like, you, I can't get you dry. Yep. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense now. And then obviously being there, you could say, yeah, yeah, right. I know where you come from now. You don't get wet. No. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, my battery was running low, so I just had to jump up and put on the charger. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. Yeah, that's been a good yarn. We didn't get into any tech technicalities of bow hunting or anything anyway. No, mate. Leave that to the next one. I think we might have to do this one around Chittle Camp, I reckon. Oh, we might, yeah, do one and we'll talk about We'll, have, uh, we'll do, one, uh, do one that's in, in a camp somewhere with Smitty so we can all have an argument about what sort of arrows you should be using. And yeah, that's set- a good one. Well, we've got to do something to get in on the podcast anyway, so we've got to... Oh, haven't you had him on yet? Not yet. No, he can't talk. I can talk. We've just got to get a few into him. Yeah, get it, yeah. <laughs> It's something in a green bottle. He, he won't drink anything out of a green bottle. No. So we pull it. <laughs> well, man, all, all, the all the best with everything ahead of you, mate. And uh, this COVID shit, mate, I hope, hope people start losing lures and oyster racks. I'm going to go and give it a go on Sunday. And yeah, All the dams in Queensland open tomorrow, so let's hope they lose a few. Yeah, man. So, um, mate, thanks for jumping on. I, I bloody love the stories, man. I could literally do this for hours. So, and, Yeah, uh, I think you're going to probably get sick of listening to us. Nah. Definitely not, mate. Well, I might put it in two two parts, maybe. I don't know. Oh, but, I don't even know about this. I've got to do another one on fishing on Wednesday night for some crew, but I think it's video only, so I'll have to put video as well. So I think I'll have to put my hat on and my oh, wig or something. Jesus. I might just do a screenshot and just send it, and that's going to be the main photo. So. <laughs> that, yeah. do, a, do a screenshot here. I don't know. Just kiss it. <laughs> nah. Right, man. I'll talk to you. Eh? Nah, it sounds good, man. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.